0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Real World. This is your host, Juan Pablo Sá, talking to you from the CITR station at UBC Point Gray Campus, located in the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Seletooth nations. This week... Sadly, we are not joined by the one and only, the incredible Lily Grow. We all miss Lily very, very much. She is in Victoria having fun with her friends. So, I know we have many weekly listeners that tune in exclusively to hear to Lily talking. Uh, So, you know, I am sorry to disappoint you, but Lily will not be part of this episode. That said... I am joined by two very special guests. Because as all of you know, we've been doing the series called The Movies That Shaped Us. We already had an episode where Alma and Anvi came in and talked about the movies that shaped them. We also had two very long episodes where I talked about the movies that shaped me. Next week, Lily's gonna come here on the radio and she's gonna talk about the movies that shaped her. But today, we have two very special guests. And these guests are Liam Riley and... Fernando Vargas introduce yourselves guys hello liam what's up
1: hello juan uh thank <laughs> you for having me here I'm very excited um I was once the radio liaison I was once in your position but uh sadly I didn't get to record any live episodes I was in charge when it was when we were dealing with the pandemic uh so this is my first time live on air even though I've recorded like 15 or so episodes so i'm very excited to be here thank you for having me
0: hey hey no worries man yeah i I was gonna say this is very much a throwback episode for the two of us you know during the pandemic the rileys brought me on board so yeah so okay liam is part of a very famous dynamic duo known as the (laughs) riley brothers okay directors extraordinaire okay so they make some amazing movies at walnut house pictures productions make sure to look them up on youtube they do some great work some great freaking films And yeah, you know, I met I met them in 2021, like, you know, late 2021, right after the pandemic, kind of when classes went back in person. And, you know, they brought me in under their wings and I I became junior radio liaison under them. And yeah, we did many radio episodes together, uh, pre-recorded episodes, you know. Many afternoons where I ended up cycling to your place and we recorded an episode in the room.
1: <laughs> yeah, we would do it in the comfort of our own home. Uh, now we're in a toasty studio. So <laughs> we it's, are.
0: <laughs> it's very warm in here, but I'm excited. Hell yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, I'm glad you came here. Of course, Will, uh, the other part of the, you know, of the of the old radio team, couldn't make it uh, because he's yes. coaching.
1: Yes, uh, Will and I are both the film liaisons for the Film Society this year. So we have been selecting the films, curating the lineups. Um, And we're going to be continuing to do that the rest of this month, so if you want to come out. Um, But yes, so Will and I do that together, but sadly he could not be here today, so I'm representing us. Hell yes. Yeah, we actually like the same movies, so it's really the same thing.
0: (laughs) It's a twin thing, you wouldn't get it. (laughs) You wouldn't get it. (laughs) Hell yeah. And uh, our second guest today is, as I said, the one and only, the incredible Fernando. You guys might know him as the person who completely (laughs) destroyed obliterated Lily in the episode of guess what movie this song is from Fernando what what do you have to say for yourself
2: I'm excited to be back I'm glad Um, you came back it's fun just being here and talking to you Juan Aw, thank you (laughs) yeah um and also I'm here to remember Lily we lost her to Victoria yes yes. hopefully she can come back
1: yeah Yeah. Fernando
2: is our junior yeah, this
1: year he's also the upcoming film liaison, so that's exciting. Yeah,
0: congrats, Fernando! Yeah. Hey. Thank big, you, big big round of applause for Fernando. New new film liaison. So yeah, for all of you guys tuning in, you know, please pay attention to Fernando's movie picks because this will be this will be a little harbinger for the films that he will pick <laughs> for the rest of the year. You know, this will be a little tease. You guys will know like, oh, this guy has good taste, or you guys will be like, oh, this guy taste sucks, or I don't know. Maybe we'll see, we'll see, and. We also have a third very special guest, but she's very shy, so she doesn't have a microphone and she doesn't want to speak. But this very special guest is the TA of Hong Kong Cinema. Okay, once again, she came once year before in the episode where Fernando completely destroyed Lily at Guess What Movie This Song Is From, and she's back. Shy as always, she won't speak, she won't say a word. Are we silencing Jasmine? (laughs) We are silencing Jasmine. Hey, Jasmine, go to Fernando's mic. Say hello to your fans.
3: I don't have a mic. Ah, well, you do
0: now. Anything you want to say for yourself, Jasmine? Hi. (laughs) That was the TA of Hong Kong Cinema, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. If you are taking Hong Kong Cinema and Jasmine is your TA... Please send us some physical mail right now. I want to know all about it. If she graded you poorly, tell me about it and I will let her know. Okay? Without come join fris- us in the studio. Yes, come come to the studio live right now and yeah. come meet your TA. Um, <clears throat> anyways, uh, that was it in regards for introductions. Uh, you know... One other thing that I have to say is, once again, if you guys are interested in the UBC Film Society and you want to come to all of our events, come to all of our screenings, and if you guys want to be up to date with what movies Liam and Will are going to be screening for the rest of the month and what incredible movies Fernando is going to be screening for the whole next year, then make sure you're following our Instagram at UBC Film Society and you'll be able to be up to date with all the events that are happening related to Film Sock. Without further ado, we are going to jump into the movies that shaped us. So we have two very special guests today, and we are going to start with one of them, who...
1: I will go first. Liam? We've
0: decided that off-air. Hell yes. Wait, are you going first?
2: <laughs> can I ask a question? Yeah.
0: You can ask as many questions
2: as you want. Okay, this is to you, Juan. Uh, to me? Okay. Yes. <laughs> What's the purpose of this show?
0: What is the purpose of the (laughs) movies that shaped us? Um, I don't know. I mean, I I feel like film discourse uh, can get a bit stale after a while. Mm. Like, you know, film discourse can center down as, oh, I think the cinematography is great. I think the directing is great. And talking about the formal qualities of films uh, and how films work from a formal perspective. But, you know, I believe one of the things that I love the most about cinema is, you know, how films are experiential experiences you know yeah that sounded very (laughs) weird but yeah they, they are things that each of us experience differently and you know films hit us differently depending on what moment of our life we're from or what we're living through or what's happening in our lives um and I think that's fascinating you know depending on who you are a certain film will hit you in a different way than someone else uh so yeah you know talking about the cinematography being great and directing being great and the writing being great like that that's all good that's all great but there are Thousands of other people that can tell you that, but there's only one person that can tell me what movies impacted Fernando Vargas in his journey through life. So, you know, I thought that would be fun trying to tackle film from a different perspective.
1: I'm gonna have to pull an audible. I was gonna talk about the non-linear editing in Citizen Kane. So, <laughs> <I'm gonna
0: laughs> hey, probably... no, you, you still can. Like, no, I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> yeah. <gonna. laughs> okay. No, I mean, in, in my episode, I talked a lot about Memento and Christopher Nolan no, and about it's how. Fair. How that was my introduction to like (laughs) people fucking with narrative and I was like, what the fuck is going on? So, you know, of course, all those formal aspects of film do play a part in why they impact you so much. Um, But yeah, I'm I'm very interested in, in the subjective experience. In the experiential like side
2: of film, I like that. That's hell nice. yes, lovely answer, Juan. I, Thank you. You're welcome, Fernando. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if this is just like you know, you agreed of doing this show, and but inside of your head all this time, you've been thinking, why the hell am I doing this show? What's the point of this show?
2: Oh no, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> hell yes. Okay. <laughs>
0: uh, well, I'm glad you found a purpose now. now. Now you know why we're doing this. Now going back, Liam Riley, take it off. What are the
1: movies that shaped you? So, um, the way that I'm going to do this is I've kind of created segments or chunks of movies that were important in my life. Uh, So, mostly chronological. um, And yeah, I guess I can start with the kind of, these are mostly based around experiences I had um, and kind of how they informed my current taste and my current interests, I guess, but also as kind of like landmarks in my film, enjoying filmmaking and kind of uh, film studying kind of life i guess uh so i guess i'll start with i so my first kind of question when i thought of this was what was the first film that i saw in a theater um my memory is like very very hazy i don't really remember um i don't remember much about watching movies honestly until probably i was like 10 but i do know that the first movie that i saw in the theater was i think ice age it was a uh free movie screening uh like a matinee and I think, well, like, it came out, what the movie came out in, like, 19, or 2002. Mm-hmm. I think I probably saw it in, like, 03 or 04 when they did, like, a rerun um, in the, uh, I remember it was in the winter. Uh, I went with my brother and my dad, and we went to a matinee screening in Langley. Uh, and I remember loving it, but I can't, I couldn't tell you a single thing about the movie, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, that's my memory of it. I don't know if you guys have seen Ice Age, but I think it's good? Is it
0: good? I find it so fascinating that both you and me have an Ice Age movie in our list of the movies. Yours isn't Ice Age, us. though. Mine's Ice Age 3, <laughs> the one with the dinosaurs. I mean, it could
1: have, actually, no, it was definitely Ice Age 1 for me, but I don't know. Um, I, I think it was good.
0: I mean, I, I remember I remember vaguely the first Ice Age. Um, you know, I, I never really loved it that much. I always found the kid kind of creepy. You know, the baby Eskimo. Oh, yeah. I hate that kid. <laughs> you hate He's the kid. So creepy. <laughs> uh, I don't know if the dodos are in the first film or if they're in the second one, but I remember finding them funny. And I've always loved the squirrel. You know, so the scrat, the the squirrel I, that desperately I wants I think I liked.
1: I think I liked the kind of different characters and the and the, uh, and the setting of it. I think I would find it very fun. But I can't say it has had any kind of long-lasting effect on my taste or my... Uh, <laughs> what do you mean?
0: You love Ice Age. Yeah,
1: I'm not going to... I'm unfortunately not going to call back to Ice Age, but I do think it was important. It was an important moment in my life. Hell yeah. Um, but... And then the other movie that I think was really important to me as a young person, I think I saw it for, like, my first birthday. Like, I, I would I would go to the theater for my birthday with my brother Will um, every year. And the first one that I remember going to was The Mask, which uh-huh. I'm carrying. Uh, and that one actually had, a, had an effect. It kind of, like, this really, really strange... Uh, stylistic, like it's almost it's kind of creepy that movie. I think from my memory, but obviously I was like, what well, it was it came out ninety four, but I, went, I think they were playing it like again. It was it was like a replay, or maybe my parents like got the theater and played the the mask for us. Um, but it was uh, I remember having such a great time with it, and Jim Carrey kind of as a uh, as a young person my, around my age, they were they were playing Jim Carrey films on TV all the time, and so to see a Jim Carrey movie in the theater um, was great and. Yeah, I think I ended up watching like all the masks after that, and I I loved them. And I think probably the mask, seeing the mask at this young age, had an, had a is is maybe a reason why I like some kind of wacky and uh, campy and, and 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 low low quality stuff sometimes. But because um, there is kind of this beam, this B movie element to the mask. But I don't know Have you guys seen the mask. No, I, I love the mask. You love
0: it. Jasmine is also you saying love yes. By the way. <laughs>
3: I rewatched it recently.
0: What did it hold up?
3: The humor held up. And Jim Carrey is my favorite actor.
0: That's
1: <laughs> phenomenal.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much echo kind of what Jasmine said. I, I, I love The Mask. I think it's a great film. Uh, Jim Carrey, yeah, definitely one of the best actors of our generation or s- still working right now. When I was young, I desperately wanted to be him. I was like, I want to be an actor and I want to be as good as Jim Carrey. <laughs> that makes sense, the tracks. Like, his, his expressivity, like, the the amount of control he has over every single muscle in his face is just unbelievable. He's yeah. an incredible I think performer. the Jim
1: Carrey movie that I watched more was actually Liar, Liar. I watched that movie, like, over and over and over again when I was probably seven or eight. Hell yeah. Um, but The Mask is one that, like, is kind of a landmark, I think. Um, but the first movie that I... Kind of watched a lot as a kid. I was on TV like all the time with School of Rock. Um, and it's strange because I had no idea anything about like Link Letter or uh, the kind of the music that I would like in the future. I ended up not, I don't really like the kind of music that's in School of Rock anymore. No, but um, I don't know. It was on, I, I don't know if it was because it was on TV so much that I had to watch it over and over and over again. Um, but it was, it became a very formative part of my like movie watching life because just because I watched it so many times, I don't know, I've probably have seen it over 50 times. Um, and I remember kind of loving it. And then, and the, I got to that point where it's like, Oh, school of rock is so it's, it's so, you know, lame. It, 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 I saw it so many times as a kid, it was on TV. And then I kind of like realized a couple of years ago that I actually love school of rock. And I, and I also really like uh, Letter uh, doing his kind of more studio kind of pictures sometimes. I think those work really well a lot of the time. Um, and yeah, I mean, Jack Black, I, I play guitar also. I think I started playing guitar because of school of rock and that like maple or that that red sg guitar that he has was like my dream guitar for i don't know my entire life really like i still want i really want an sg at some point um and it's because of jack black in this movie and you know we'll get to it later in my list but performance and uh and on-screen performance in particular has become a kind of a serious interest of mine especially academically it's kind of what i'm looking at um in my research as a as a grad student and so maybe this is i don't know the the point a of this of this interest but there's a lot of really great like uh screen performances of of jack black and his band performing these really fun classic rock songs i was going to include one of these songs in my kind of playlist that i sent to you juan but i ended up not going with them because i don't actually like the music that much anymore that is fair (laughs) yeah (laughs) but it is it's such a fun movie it's it's very funny it's very heartwarming very sincere fernando
2: yes, very sincere and there's nothing wrong with that i I'm not saying anything <laughs> it's great that you like sincerity <laughs> I also used to watch school of frog a lot actually did you it's not in my list but I mean it's not like a a
1: master uh, i know I know a, a couple members of our club think it's a masterpiece and I, and it's fun, very fun but i uh it it holds up very well for me still so I'm happy with it
0: I was late to the School of Rock Party, but I definitely enjoyed it when I watched it. I think yeah. I watched it during the pandemic. But yeah, Jack Black, he's just hes just just like Jim Carrey. He's another performance that regardless of the role, I always enjoy watching him. I genuinely don't think Jack Black knows what the meaning of phoning it in is. Yeah. Every single movie he does, regardless of if he's playing Bowser or like an actual acting is attempt. Is he Bowser in the new? He's Bowser in the new Super <laughs> Mario movie. <laughs> Regardless of what he does, he always gives it his one hundred and ten percent. and it's just so freaking entertaining. In fact, in the Super Mario movie, I think he freaking improved a whole song, like a whole love song about how much he loves Peach. and it's yeah. amazing., <laughs> Well,
1: I, I through the movie, I got into his band tenacious D. and I like I don't actually like tenacious D anymore, but I think it's he's he's like a born performer. yeah, uh, and he's great. I mean, I can't say that if i I feel like I discovered the movie at the right time. I think if I watched it five years ago, I would have hated it. Um, but it's obviously been important to me now. But I guess moving on, I uh, this next out of section is are these films that I watched a lot as a kid, but where I can actually remember watching them. Um, and so, Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith was kind of like my the Star Wars movie that mattered the most to me as a young person. I mean, everyone kind of... I feel like most people, at least most white guys, have their Star Wars moment. Um, But I had my Star Wars moment with uh, Revenge of the Sith, and I loved it. And then I kind of got through all the... I think it came out in theaters when I was in grade seven, and it was, like, really kind of dark. And as a grade seven kid kind of scared in the theater, it was, like, really fun. Um, And it just meant so much to me, I guess. Uh, Because I had watched the Star Wars movies before. I was very into them, but this one was, like... I think I watched the... Opening sequence in Revenge of the Sith with my with my brother and my mom actually like we would watch just the opening sequence, uh, basically every day. Like we'd watch it every day for like a couple months, and it's uh and so we had the whole box set of the of both the prequels and the original trilogy. But we would we would just use we just pull the Revenge of the Sith one and watch the opening sequence. I don't know why, but it was so much fun. Um, and I don't know. I'm gonna get to Star Wars later in this. Um, <laughs> I know. Yeah,
0: uh, I'm bracing for impact. Yeah. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> but. This, that one was very important to me. I loved it. Um, I don't know. Is, is, where is how, do, how do you feel about
0: Revenge of the Sith? Dude, I have so many fond memories about Revenge of the Sith. I, I talked about Star Wars extensively in my episodes of the movies that shaped me because, you know, as I mentioned, like a big part of my identity is being a fan. I am a fan of this big, expansive worlds and, and this huge world building and this big, extensive universes. And the Star Wars universes is one of those that really captivated me. And yeah, Revenge of the Sith. Oh boy! Revenge of the Sith was was the one that like I think really cemented my fandom, like the whole plot twist, Anakin turning evil, turning into well, I guess spoiler alert if you haven't seen <laughs> Star Wars Episode Three, Revenge of the Sith, the big fight against Obi Wan as a little like what as 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 a, as a young ten year old watching yeah. that film, it just. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my God, they're best friends and now they're enemies. I
1: know. I, I played like Star Wars Battlefront, like the PlayStation 2 game. Uh-huh. And I would like, with Will, I played with Will and we would like just recreate all the scenes on the, in that game. It was so much fun.
0: Who would be Anakin and who would be Obi-Wan? Uh, the, I don't know. This is
1: going to determine the problem, a, a lot. No, the okay? problem is we didn't actually play as those, those two characters. It was like we would just play as like Mace Windu and like Kit Fisto or something. I, I see. Something silly. Huh, you know? actually, I was a huge Yoda guy. I loved Yoda,
0: of course. You were yeah. a freaking little green rat jumping yeah. around, <laughs>
1: killing people. And Yoda, he just gets better and better as the series goes on. He does, he does. Mm-hmm.
0: I was never a big fan of Yoda fighting with lightsabers, but he was. Cool. I thought it was cool when I was young. Now I like him
1: when he's burning the books, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, fair. So, I because my
1: next one. I'm, gonna just, I'm just gonna mention, wait, we'll f- move on. Fernando had oh, wait. some burning thoughts about Revenge yeah, of the ahead. Sith. Fernando, you like this one?
2: Um, I'm not the biggest fan of the prequels. But it was also around the time when I started watching Star Wars, I think. Uh, My dad is a pretty big Star Wars fan, so I basically inherited it. Uh, Revenge of the Sith. It's dark. It's edgy. It is, brother. (laughs) Hell yeah. yeah, It's fun. (laughs) It's the best one of the prequels, I'll say that.
1: Agreed. Yeah. It's competently made. You can't really say that for the other two, although I like the trashiness
2: of the other two. I love watching any of them. Yeah, except fun. for one, the ninth one. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we don't have to get to that. <laughs> yeah. So my next
1: movie is Wall-E, but I'm not going to talk about Wall-E because there's not really much to say. I just loved Wall-E when I was. It was like my, the first animated film that I actually liked a lot. Um, but I, I think the next one that's really really important uh, is is Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Um, so this was one the first movie that I saw in high school that um, like really had a great impact on me uh not only as like a as a fan but it kind of made me want to watch or want to make movies sorry and uh will and i were in a video production class at the time and we kind of just ripped it off like over and over and over again in our video production class um like edgar wright's editing style really is what enthralled us i think um you know the like the little smash cuts and the and the really quick zooms and the and the whooshes all that kind of stuff um was wasn't even the it was the text for us like that was what we wanted to do We didn't even care about story or content or anything. We just wanted to recreate Edgar Wright's style. Uh, And so that was an introduction to kind of – really it was an introduction to like auteur cinema uh, for us. Like it was was like this non-kind of studio, like Hollywood studio film that uh, kind of opened up I think both of our eyes, especially my eyes to like what movies could be. I mean obviously like things have changed, but uh, that movie – I mean it was – I think I saw the cover of it – when I was in line with my mom at, at a Safeway or a save on, sorry. Like it was like, they had these like three pack DVDs uh, in the, in the line for the cashier. And I saw it and I was like, we have to get that. And we would, we would always get movies from the library. So I went home and like rented it or went, looked it up in the library and rented it. And we watched it and our whole family loved it. And then we watched it like over and over again. Um, And that was my introduction to Edgar Wright. And, uh, and Edgar Wright at that point was really important to me now. Not so much, but um, I just like the, the kind of, Really dynamic style and and unique kind of aesthetic was was so enthralling to me. So, I mean, it I saw it, that was like the most formative movie watching experience I had in high school for sure. Did you did you did you like? I feel like I feel I feel like a lot of people missed Hot Fuzz. Um, like, it was a movie that people my age and, and older saw, and I feel like maybe I was at the tail end of this kind of generation that saw Hot Fuzz as their movie that changed them, and it, it kind of moved on to other films i don't know how. did you guys like was was edgar wright formative for you in a way he was for me
0: i i love it i love hot fuzz it's my favorite of his i mean of course there is a comedy divide growing up in latin america i I don't know if fernando can speak about this as well but growing up in colombia i don't know i guess colombian humor is very different to edgar wright humor so it it took me a while to discover them but you know then i eventually saw them when i was like old enough to get the jokes and i i love the cornetto trilogy and yeah hot fuzz is my favorite
1: yeah because like when i got when i got to university and and uh and started talking to people. I feel like a lot of people that I met hadn't seen it. And I was kind of shocked by that. Because to me, that was like my, you know, my, like the ultimate movie. Um, and and I was like, how could you like anything? How could you even know what movies could do if you haven't seen Hot Fuzz? That's kind of what I thought when I was in like grade 12. But <laughs> Hell <you> know, yeah. <laughs> um, and then another movie that we copied a lot in high school as filmmakers was um, The Grand Budapest Hotel. And that was another just an example of like style. We were so obsessed with style and aesthetics, and we didn't really know what else movies could do outside of that. Um, like the we I remember we made a short film in high school that was just ripping off the purplish color from the Grand Grand West Hotel for no reason. Like it just didn't make any sense. We had it was a short film, about a capture like a bunch of people who couldn't who failed to capture and realized they were all robots. And it's like that's just so not Wes Anderson. Um, that's funny we, though. It was, I mean, it's 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 kind of a fun one. If you look it up online, it's called U Robot.
0: It's Whoa! A, it's a parody of irobot Robot. Oh, really? Yeah, U Robot. D- didn't realize that. Yeah, it was, I mean, we thought it was clever, dude. It's such a subtle Easter egg. Like it's a you wouldn't
1: get it. That's why I had to tell you. Mm-hmm. How old were you? How old was I? Yeah, that was like grade ten, I think. So what, like fifteen? It was. We were we were on top of the world. We our our, our <laughs> school teacher um was able to get us the school library as a location. And that was like that's big time for high school kids to not be shooting in your bedroom. So we got that's a school library, yeah. and uh, and it was such a weird weird film, and it didn't make any sense, and there was no story because we hadn't we didn't we were just writing scripts on like Microsoft Word. We didn't even know what a story was, but we got to we just did like the symmetrical frames and the and the kind of weird kind of uh, Brechtian performances, even though we didn't know what that was either. But <laughs> it was yeah, it was very very formative for us. So for a couple of years, it was like Wes, Wes Anderson and Edgar Wright were these masters of style that we were obsessed with. Yeah. Uh, moving on. <laughs> I will move on. Uh, so then I went to university and I was—I I have Citizen Kane here because it was my first film studies course and I hated Citizen Kane. Like I really hated it. And so I, that was, I stopped watching movies for a while. Or not watching, but I stopped kind of caring about movies because I was like, oh, Citizen Kane. How can anyone who likes this is pretending they don't like it because I was coming from Edgar Wright. So going from Edgar Wright to Orson Welles in the forties was, is a huge jump and I was not ready for it. Uh, so film studies to me was like stupid and it was too academic. And, uh, and so I was like, these people are not real film people. They don't even, you know, so I stopped taking film and I just went off, started like doing political science. I didn't even do film anymore. I was so, I was so, uh, disappointed by film, the state of film studies. So I have citizen Kane here as a kind of a landmark kind of like negative moment in my film enjoying career. How did you guys react when you first saw?
0: <laughs> and look where you are now. I know, now, now,
1: now I've surpassed <laughs> Citizen Kane. I just want to watch a black screen all day.
0: Now you're, yes, yeah. <laughs> now you're a full film studies scholar. that's impressive. Hell yes. Um,
1: did you guys like Citizen Kane when you I first saw it? I Citizen Kane. No, but when you first saw it. Yes. And, okay, you're better than me. You're a better person than me. I,
0: I appreciate it more than I love it. Okay. I You know, the first time, I, I think what kept it interesting for me was the plot twist. Like, well, not the reveal. Like, I always wanted to know what is Rosebud? What is that I one thing? Care. I didn't care. I did, I, I cared yeah Me so either.
2: you know I'm with you. <laughs> what I was
1: I was like I was floored by the one shot of of Kane when he's Charles Foster Kane when he's a child in the window yeah like that but outside of that I was it felt like a six hour experience in the theater. I remember stumbling out of the Royal Bank cinema and thinking this is this is it I'm not doing this anymore. And that was the first week. And then we had to watch, like, Rashomon. And I, and I was like, I <laughs> pretended like Rashomon. And I was like, I can't. This is dumb.
0: I think, I think the first time I watched Citizen Kane, I was, you know, in the process of taking philosophy in the IB. And I, I remember that film, mm-hmm. you know, despite the fact that I didn't really enjoy it, I, I much more appreciated it. Mm-hmm. I do remember taking a lot from it from a philosophical perspective. Like, you know, the whole idea of the rich guy who has basically everything in the world, and yet still he's unhappy, and he dies yearning for something. And that whole idea of, like, oh, what is the one thing that the person who has everything still craves. And I remember that being very intriguing for me, you know, younger when I was doing the IB. But, uh, yeah, I never really, like, loved Citizen Kane. But I I, I was always, like, yeah, good for you. Yeah.
1: Well, for me, like, coming from the style thing, I was, like – and I don't know why I didn't pick up on the kind of really unique style that Orson Welles had, but I was just kind of stuck in the, like, oh, this is classical Hollywood. It's boring. It's slow. (laughs) I would prefer Edgar Wright's, like, you know, whipping pans and stuff. And now – and so – that was where I was coming from. But then a couple of years later, of of like basically like, taking a break from liking movies. I realized like I wanted to still make movies. Uh, and that happened when I went to see uh, <laughs> I went to see the Blade Runner, the new Blade Runner 2049 in the theater. And I that was like my kind of return to cinema. <laughs> and I loved it. Yes. I was like, oh, this is, this is this is like so amazing. I don't know. I, I, I saw I watched the first Blade Runner like the day before just because like I don't know why I was like, I'm going to go to the new Blade Runner movie for no reason. And I watched the first one, and I liked it a lot, but I thought it was slow and stupid. And then I watched, <laughs> and then I watched the second one, and I was like, "This is the best movie ever made, easily." Um, and you know, the I, I think I took a screenwriting course that year, and I ended up just copying Blade Runner twenty forty nine like beat for beat, really, for my first uh, assignment. Um, so yeah, I've just outed myself as a cheater, but um, that was a <laughs> that was a fun movie for me, and it really affected. Like it was like, "Oh, I love movies now again." And then. That same year. You know what came out that same year?
0: I yeah, I've been waiting for it. Yes. Don't worry.
1: So it was it was Christmas time. It was. <laughs> and uh, you know, I was getting back into movies. It was what, twenty seventeen? Twenty seventeen, yeah, I was it was twenty seventeen. I was getting back into movies, I was thinking, yeah, I, I was like I was writing, I wasn't making films yet, I was writing. Um and I went to see the new Star Wars movie. Uh what is it, The Last Jedi?
0: Well yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> you should know. <laughs> yeah, The Last Jedi. And uh as a huge Star Wars fan, I was, I was a Star Wars person my whole life. Um, you know, I had all the action figurines. I told you I watched Revenge of the Sith. I loved it. Um, the, the movie like totally blew me away. Like I, it was, it did everything that I, that I ever could have imagined a movie could do and more. Um, the, the kind of, it had the synthesis of like style that Ryan Johnson brought to it. That was like, it was kind of tickling my Edgar Wright like uh Wes Anderson feeling I think a little bit because it has these this very intentional unique to Star Wars um aesthetic that I've just I loved and you know people don't like it but the story beats were to me so like profound that um it was it was such like an emotionally gratifying experience to watch this movie and I just resonated with the themes and the ideas so much like the and I think that's kind of become uh part of a like a key kind of part of my film enjoyment that a lot of the themes that Ryan Johnson was working within the last Jedi uh for uh, like a mainstream blockbuster movie like I thought it was so incendiary and so powerful uh it was it w- very incendiary and, so, and but for me I was like this is exactly what like what like why would for me it was like why would I want anything easy as a Star Wars fan this is like this is what Star Wars really should be something super challenging and super I mean it's not that challenging but it for me it was like this is amazing uh you know, to 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 see this these characters, I really like the, the the Yoda scene where he burns down the 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 books, like I mentioned earlier. Well, like, but
0: he didn't. okay, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna yeah, litigate. Yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> we're not gonna litigate the last. Jedi. The books didn't burn down. Okay, they appear in the spaceship at the end. So Yoda's action meant nothing. So it's
1: so it's actually a reactionary film. It's not apocalyptic, but. Uh-huh, go but ahead. yes, because <laughs> um, you can never do that in a Hollywood movie. But it really mattered to me. And so through that movie, I got to Ryan Johnson, and Ryan Johnson was like my hero for a week for a year.
0: Wait, okay, so before you move on with other Ryan Johnson films, um I am very happy you love the last Jedi so so very much. You know, I, I love the fact that people love Star Wars, regardless of what movie it is, regardless even if you love the rise of Skywalker, if that makes you love Star Wars, I am happy. Uh, I find it very funny that, uh, you know, in, in my list of the movies that shaped me, I also had Blade Runner 2049 for completely different reasons. Uh-huh. In my episode, it was because I had eye surgery the day after I watched Blade Runner 2049. Mm. And the movie opened with the one shot of the eye of Ryan Gosling. And I was like, what the hell are you telling me? And then he cuts
1: out um, Dave Bautista's eye.
0: And Jared Leto, who is the villain in the film, was blind. And yeah. I was like, are are you it's trying me. to tell me something? Am I Literally me on, <laughs> on a screen. I, am I going to go blind? <laughs> Uh, and then The Last Jedi, you know, in my list, um, the Star Wars movie that I had in mind was Episode 7, The Force Awakens, uh, just because for me, like, that was my Star Wars movie. Like, yeah, I, I, I was into Star Wars. I love the prequel. Well, I mean, I enjoyed the prequels. I love the original trilogy, but I never saw even the prequels i never saw them in theaters like episode 7 was the first one that came out in theaters that i went to watch yeah. in theaters i was so scared because disney had bought star wars and then it for in my opinion it ended up being great and i did mention in my episode that you know that there was peace and tranquility in the star wars fandom for like 2015 2016 everyone was together kumbaya we all loved each other there were no divisions everyone was on board we all loved rogue one we all loved episode 7 and then everything changed when the fire nation attacked everything yeah. changed in 2017 with the last jedi
1: i mean i i always felt that star wars was at its best when it was like kind of uh uh philosophy and like and the wizards doing their thing versus like the big battles and the and the kind of war um, so, so, the, star so I'm more into the star than the war oh. and you're more into the war than the star. <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm more into star wars.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more in the, into the stars in general. So the, uh, yeah, the kind of like philosophy and the, and the kind of, uh, and the mysticism I think of star Wars was, was always what drew it, drew me to it. And so the kind of like foregrounding of that above any like narrative continuity and also, and also the kind of like, just you know, ballsiness to say we're going to burn some of these bridges. I really appreciate it, but I appreciate very I can ballsy. also understand why people don't like that, but I don't agree with that kind of thought process. <laughs> what Hell do you think, yes. Fernando?
2: Take a position. I'm a very big last Jedi defender. I love the last Jedi. I uh, think JJ J. Abrams was so boring for doing the like mm-hmm. classic Star Wars rehashing the fourth one. And Ryan Johnson just came and burned everything to the ground. And it's so good.
0: I am glad you said I saw, that. I, I don't have to say it now. Yes, uh, Ryan Johnson did come in and burn everything. But he to the took ground.
1: he took some of these characters and made them really like. But he made them better, in my opinion. But anyways, yes, I saw the movie. Uh-huh. I saw the movie, <laughs> Go like on. probably four, Well, I think for example, Kylo Ren is like an exceptional character in that movie, and he, and it's, I think it's incredible, in my opinion. But I saw the movie like six times in theaters. I remember I saw it I, when I was at UBC. I saw it, and then I went home to Langley uh, for Christmas, and I saw it like four more times with with friends from Langley, and. uh yeah it was just very important to me um but that was so so i i got to ryan johnson i was like who is this guy i gotta watch his movies and i ended up watching brick um which became my favorite movie basically for like two or three years really like like it it was this again like style but now it kind of had this uh genre thing to it that um i kind of realized about myself was that i love genre films and i think brick was my introduction to genre um i hadn't seen film noir before even though i think i liked the aesthetic of it and so when I watched Brick, it was like a basically like a way back to classical cinema, Hollywood cinema. And I watched like all the film noir. I, the Maltese Falcon is the one I have on my list here. It's like as the one that I think I at the time I watched it and I was just it was the first time I watched a movie that was from that kind of time period that I really just enjoyed uh, thoroughly. Uh, and so, yeah, genre film noir became a huge part of my taste, I think, after that. And I can thank Ron Johnson um, for leading me in that direction. Uh, I don't know. Brick, <clears throat> Brick is like very, very strange and alienating in, in certain ways. But it has this kind of like independent um, dynamism, like this really unique kind of presence that a lot of like independent debuts don't have. Especially like I, I was because at that point I was like, OK, now I want to make films again. And I did so much research. I, I, I just, like, studied everything about Brick, about its production, about its um, release, about, you know, where it went to film festivals and all this stuff. And I, and the movie was made for less than a million dollars. It was pretty much not self-financed, but he he raised money, you know, kind of on his own. Um, and it was so, like, inspiring to see that, like, a filmmaker could do that. Um, I, think he, I don't think he went to um, a proper film school, or if he did, he was kind of... Not doing very well right after. And so he he was really just working at this as a passion project for so long and I found that so inspiring um as a filmmaker. Did you guys watch Brick? Have you seen have you seen Brick?
0: I love Brick. Fanno hasn't seen Brick? I haven't, no. I, yeah, I mean, okay, I must say this again. Even though I hate The Last Jedi, I, I don't enjoy that film. I do love Ryan Johnson. I love his I think I love every other movie that he has made except for The Last Jedi. Yeah. And Brick, yeah, Brick was inspired. It was also kind of my introduction for film noir, and I remember being like so just yeah kind of amazed and it it was just so funny to me like making a film noir where everyone is asking is acting as if it was like the most serious shit ever but they're yeah. just like middle schoolers it was
1: so informative f- for us like we would name our characters like characters were named in that like tug the character of tug in that movie was actually like you can find a tug in every single one of our stories um kind of strange but he, he was like i was so fascinated by this guy his performance i can't remember the guy's name but the performer who, who played tug Do you know do you have it right there
2: Noah flies
1: yeah he was he was amazing and it's like it's such a horrible it's actually a bad performance, but it's also so <laughs> it's and it was I don't know I was just so impressed by this kind of independent and you know all the sets were constructed and and you can I watched all these behind the scenes videos of it and I just I, it was so inspiring um but that would got me back into film and then I took an early cinema class with um retired professor Brian McElroy um anyone who's been at ubc for a while would, would know he's he was like one of the best professors that we've had here um did you guys ever have a class with brian McElroy? no no he was great um but he taught early cinema um before covid and i sat down for my first movie of that class and it was uh the passion of joan of arc and i was actually very nervous because i thought i'm gonna hate this this is gonna be slow you know no sound uh and the movie started, and it was—it's just a series of close-ups, really, a really dynamic close-up. So it has the kind of style thing that I liked. But um, I was so enthralled by it. I was kind of just—I walked to the theater. I was shocked at how much I loved it. It was—it was probably one of my favorite movies at the time after I saw it. And I was like, "How could I? Am I pretentious now because I like Joan of Arc?" It was—it <laughs> was—it was so important to me. But it—it it got me back into film, uh, like you know, kind of in a broad sense. Like it—it it kind of I was able to access. Films. I mean, I'd seen Maltese Falcon, but I, I hadn't seen anything kind of art house or or any international cinema, really. And so, you know, it was foreign language, it was silent, and it kind of enthralled me. And, and, and so it really captured me. Um, and I, I credit, I mean, Brian was like his his lecture for that class was great. And he his enthusiasm was really inspiring. And so I think without that experience, I wouldn't be doing film studies now. So I that is probably one of the most important moments of uh, my film and academic life, I guess.
2: Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I love The Passion of Joan Fark.
1: It's so It's such an important movie. Yeah. I mean, I'm writing an essay right now and I'm referencing it and it's, it's just in passing <laughs> because it's so important. But I think it's like, it is it is one of the kind of touchstone movies of uh, that's ever been made, really. I, I, I just made like a, on my letterbox, private, a uh, <laughs> sight and sound list. I was like, well, what would I put on my sight and sound? And I have it in my top 10. I, I have it as like, number five or six or something like I it's it's I think it's really one of the most impressive movies ever made um yeah you love it
2: I first watched it like I knew it was one of the cornerstones of cinema in general so I went to a live like a screening with live music at the Cineteca Nacional in Mexico Mm. I went with my parents they forgot to turn the subtitles on (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but they couldn't stop the musician because it started <laughs> so i that's watched fine. the whole film without subtitles huh but, but, but that's what's powerful about it It still impacted you don't, me you don't need that her face does all the heavy lifting no i
0: agree <laughs> i agree it's but... like it's like
1: embodiment it's like it's it's got it's got all these like you know incredible kind of ap- like this affect quality to it that it doesn't need it's 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 like our introduction to like the the way film communicates as a medium that doesn't need language really, and I think that's what's so important about it. But
0: sure, I agree to some extent, <laughs> but I won't. Uh, we won't delve deeper. We won't derail <laughs> the conversation. Yeah. Um. Okay,
1: I'll move on. Uh. So that was you know, like I said, I was my introduction to like international and foreign cinema, um. And so I ended up watching, um, the 400 Blows with film uh it was my i think it was my might have been my first time in the norm actually um i've been going to the film stock for a while uh but we were in the club room we weren't in the norm back way back in my day um back (laughs) in the 90s um but yeah we watched the 400 blows and i was like okay now i actually love you know these slow movies that i probably would have hated two years ago and uh i think the 400 blows is also one of the movies that i think would have made my list um and i it's uh i just think it's such an important movie it's, I, you can you can really feel its fingerprints on on uh, on every generation of filmmakers and it's uh, it's one of the most important movies ever made I think so um, and I loved it and it was important to me so that was' an, and so I, I kind of just went looking through the French new wave uh, and I ended up getting this is around the time that I got like all these you know art house subscriptions like Criterion Channel and movie. I remember I bought movie first and I watched very early on. It was, I think, 2020, and Mubi was, or 2019, sorry, and Mubi was doing a a retrospective on Louis Malle. Have you guys heard of Louis Malle? Yes. Yes. No. Okay, so he was. So this this is this is important. I'm gonna educate.
4: <laughs>
2: Thank you. Um,
1: so Louis Malle is one of the one of the preeminent um, uh, French New Wave filmmakers. He's he 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 made a lot of genre films in the French New Wave, a lot of silly stuff, and he got overlooked, I think, in the kind of Art House Affair of Truffaut and Jean-Luc Godard and Agnes Varda and, and Marker. Um, but he made, like, these really cool kind of stupid films. Of all, very, very uh, smart films, too. And so the one that I have here that I saw on movie,
0: You just said stupid
1: and smart. Well, th- I'm going to tell you. Okay. He has some stupid <laughs> films and some smart films. Okay, cool. Um, Elevator to the Gallows is playing, actually, at VIF right now for the French Noir series. And it was basically, like, uh, this fatalist, you know, noir... Um, that, I it has this Miles Davis jazz score. It was my introduction to jazz, and now I'm like I love jazz. It's probably my favorite <laughs> kind of music. I love jazz. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was my introduction to jazz, and I, I remember Miles Davis was my like Spotify top artist after after I saw this movie. Like I, I just listened to him constantly, um, and it's like this super style. It's like Jean Moreau um, just walk just strolling down a street with these in this Parisian street with spotlights, and it's kind of like the most aesthetic. Uh, like kind of sequence in any, I think it's like, I'm going to show a picture of it. That's, it's an iconic, it's an iconic, iconic image uh, in, in cinema history. And I think Louis Mel, his films are really important in uh, the French new wave, but he has a couple of really silly movies that are, you know, kind of stupid, but I think are great. One of them being Viva Maria or Viva. I think it's Viva Maria. Yeah. Uh, it's like this slapstick kind of like farce um, through the, American South, but it's in French. It's like kind of like a spaghetti Western. It's very, it's like this hodgepodge of of culture and genre, with Bridget Bardot and Jean Moreau, kind of like just doing like they're just romping through, uh, these like saloons, and it's, it's it's a miracle that it exists. I don't know how it exists. And then he did a movie called zazie dans le Metro, um, which is kind of like a Jacques Tati, before Jacques Tati did his stuff, and it's. Kind of like these you know messing with frame rates and, and doing this kind of slapstick comedy um so he was doing all this stuff before other people were doing it in the french new wave and i'm I'm grateful for movie for for showing me louis mel because i ended up watching all of his movies um when i saw elevator to the gallows it was his first movie best debut i think ever by a filmmaker and uh yeah so if anyone's listening and you guys should come with me i'm gonna go see elevator to the gallows at VIF. Uh, hell yeah. <laughs> I, I think yes. I think everyone should go see it. It's Dude,
0: all our fans are gonna come now. Yeah. Ah, you told them where we're gonna be, man. Yeah, we you, we just you, got doxxed. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> I, I can't
1: wait to see you, all, all three of you at uh the, at <laughs> No
0: VIF. no, we have like three million, three million. listeners. Well, okay? okay, only yes. half of you can come then. But yes. uh, I can't <laughs> wait to
1: see you all um at VIF. Um you guys so you haven't seen Eliver the Gallows? I have it. No. Nope. Okay. Well, you're gonna come with me. The next movie, because <laughs> I'm gonna rewatch. I rewatched it recently, and it was just it, it holds up so well. well it's I amazing. can't wait. It's great. Um, the next movie I have is is Vertigo. So you know, we all know Vertigo. I I think it's. I think Vertigo is probably the best movie ever made. I think. I mean, that's it's it's a pretty big statement, I guess. And I don't really like the idea of having the best movie ever made, but I just think Vertigo is a kind of it kind of is like a haunting of cinema. Really, like it it just permeates. It transcends time. It kind of exists on this in this space that movies are constantly like in dialogue with and they can't even help but do that and so Hitchcock's films are are really important in that sense because they do have this kind of they 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 bleed into I think the history of cinema and globally and you know Vertigo is kind of this the the totality of of cinema really uh and so I I it's really important to me and I, I remember the sequence where the first sequence where um Jimmy Stewart follows, uh, he follows uh, Kim Novak for the first time because he's trying to find out who she is. That was like the most powerful, one of the more powerful scenes I had seen. And I think when Will and I wrote our first feature film, we had like, we copied that scene, you know basically identically and we have ended up copying like we 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 in our outline we would always just do like vertigo vertigo sequence we would just have that in our <laughs> outline because we knew we were going to have a sequence where someone was following someone
0: so many admissions of plagiarism in this episode coming from Liam,
1: yeah so i'm nothing i do is original and that's why i'm so con- I have such, that's very postmodern of such you. tension I, in my i appreciate head. it yeah because yeah. i'm because i hate that
0: I hate also that. vertigo about to be remade with robert downey jr that's gross. Can we move on. <laughs> what? Can we shut it down. We're just going to go home now. <laughs> hey, Yeah, I'm, I didn't know that. I'm sure now our three million listeners well, are going to send
1: letters. Actually, to this the is studio. interesting. I just watched, I rewatched, or I just watched the first time. Sorry, Gus Van Sant, Psycho. As, yeah, and I was, was very shocked, and it was amazing. And so, if they're going to do something <laughs> okay. like that, this kind of experimentation, explore, like exploring what, what I exper- mentioned,
0: that's a shot by shot remake. What's it's experimental not, it's about not it?
1: The sound. And there's a okay. couple of like really really interesting and in- and unique like montage moments where I think like the stabbing in uh, the shower for example uh-huh. it cuts to like it does this, like a uh, this uh, Eisenstein thing where we cut to like an animal being killed and we and you hear oh. them you hear the music you hear the sound of the murder before it happens and so I think I'm writing I'm gonna write an essay about this actually for a class so I'm thinking about it a lot but it's totally worth worth. Uh, it's it's weight and gold. I
0: think so. I love it. So you're a defender of the psycho remake. Huge.
1: I mean, I I honestly was floored by it. I thought this is as good as the original.
0: Hey, maybe you'll love the Robert Downey Jr.'s Vertigo.
1: Well, I you know if they're gonna do the just the remake it for you know I I'd, I'd, there has to be a reason. So, the
0: Hitchcock endures assemble. Yeah, and then he's gonna snap the Hitchcock universe. So I'm
1: gonna <laughs> fly through my next couple because um you know I the, the these are movies that have kind of influenced me academically as a filmmaker as well, but seven samurai I have as Kurosawa film. I was the first movie that I watched when I started watching a movie every day. Um, I think it was COVID. had just started. And I thought I'm going to watch a movie every day and I'm going to start with like the, the one. Uh, and I watched seven samurai and I think it was my first Kurosawa film. And it was, uh, you know, I loved it and it was challenging to get through cause it's four hours long or something like that. But I remember loving it. And I, you know, I, I ended up watching a movie every day for like two and a half years um, after that. So I had like this psychotic, period of my life where i was only watched. i watched like over a thousand movies in two years uh and this is one of them and it was the first one so it was very important um yeah kurosawa is important to me but i i was going to include ikiru on my list because it's my favorite kurosawa and one of my favorite movies of all time but it's actually not as important i think in this kind of uh, genealogy of my life as a f- cinephile uh seven cyber samurai is so uh the next one i have is inside and davis which is the mo- my most rewatched movie i think of the last five years i've seen it like 15 times um, and so before we talk about inside lewin davis i think we should play a uh, a beautiful song from the film performed by oscar isaac and what's is the name of the song this song is called hold on i'm gonna pull it up
0: green green rocky road yes performed by oscar isaac and here it is
5: Howling green, green, rocky road. You're promenading green. Tell me who you love, tell me who you love. See that crow up in the sky? He don't walk, but he just fly, he don't walk. But he don't run, keep on flapping to the sun how in green does your mama chew tobacco if your mama chews tobacco hookah dookah hookah dookah howling green green rock and roll your promenade listening to CITR 101.9 broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus located on the traditional unceded Coast Salish territory of the Halkomelem speaking Musqueam people.
6: You know what I could go for right now? Authentic flour tortillas pan fried until golden brown. Yum! Or vegan taco kits filled with traditional Mexican chilies and spices.
7: Yeah, that sounds good. Or
6: how about vegan potato and chorizo taquitos? How can I get these foods immediately? Buy Lita's Mexican foods. Sounds delicious, tell me more. Lita's Mexican Foods is a female-managed, plant-based Mexican food innovator in BC. Their products come pre-packaged and frozen at tons of local grocery stores around Metro Vancouver. Not to mention they can be cooked in under 10 minutes!
7: Wow! That sounds perfect for me. I've been so busy lately and dinner takes so long to make. Where can I get my hands on some Lita's Mexican Foods? Lots of places! Whole
6: Foods, Choices, Stongs, Vegan Supply, Donalds, and even UBC Bookstore. Hey, where are you going? To buy some Lita's Mexican foods. See you later. See ya.
0: Welcome back to The Real World. This is your host, on Parosa talking to you from CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver. I hope you'll enjoy that musical break. Of course, that was Green Green Rocky Road from Inside Llewyn Davis, performed by Oscar Isaac. So for those of you who are just tuning in, once again we are going through the movies that shaped us and in today's episode we have two very special ep- guests, Liam Riley, hello, and Fernando Vargas. Hello. And right now Liam is going through his list of the movies that shaped him and he is closing off because there are only 10 more minutes. Yes.
1: So we're on to the my kind of this is this is where I became a film studies uh like very intense film studies student. And so the first slasher movie that I've found kind of intellectually so super stimulating. I know it sounds lame. Was uh <laughs> Peeping Tom. Um and I ended up this is another movie that I saw in movie actually, kind of around the same time that I saw Elevator to the Gallows. Um and I revisited it a year later maybe and I kind of was just it was so impressive to me. The the, the this is like the scopophilia of cinema, um, basically like literalized. And uh it's Michael Powell, um, You know, after he's been uh, excommunicated from Hollywood and he's it's 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 this movie, this horror film that I think it was it's kind of like the original slasher film. And it has I'm not sure that it invented the POV, but it made use of the POV in a way that was very, very, very inventive. Uh, Have you seen Peeping Tom?
2: I love Peeping Tom. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I remember you saw it at VIF. Have you seen it?
2: yes i've seen yeah i was looking at some michael powell films yeah so i watched it as part of it it's so good
1: yeah it's it's i mean it's it's kind of like sexually transgressive it's uh it's got this campy aesthetic in a way it's got these bright colors um and it you know it's got this like british sensibility uh and it's it's just so it's kind of like the rear window of horror movies to me and so if you know as a film studies student i think it's very very rich and probably we should look at it more but yeah i'll move on cuz that's a, that's a great film uh the next ones i have are kind of like the auteurs that i've kind of gravitated to as my on my time as a film studies student so i have uh david lynch and david cronenberg are the two people that i think about a lot now i am writing essays about both of them i'm probably going to write my thesis about both of them uh i'm presenting essays at conferences about both of them um so i i have in their in their stead i have lost highway and the fly i it's it's impossible for me to pick uh david lynch or david cronenberg film to represent the two um i think twin peaks is probably what i would pick if i could but it's not i mean it's it's a movie it's not i don't know it doesn't really matter it's it's still i think probably the most important thing ever made for me uh i know i have twin peaks all over my backgrounds and my screensavers and all of that it's it's uh sorry did you say something? No, I didn't. Okay. say Okay, <laughs> he's going insane. No. He's losing it. I'm, I'm in the I'm, yeah. It, oh, typical last Jedi fan over here. I'm in the red last room. The red room. <laughs> um, but yeah, David Lynch really, really important to me. Uh, so I've I've mentioned earlier, I study I, I'm studying performance on screen, and so Blue Velvet and uh, and Mulholland Drive and uh, Twin Peaks have these you know performance sequences that these kind of phantasmatic uh, uh, sublime performance sequences that I'm studying, and so. And so and so Cronenberg uh, is kind of doing the same thing, I think, in a lot of ways, his body horror films, uh, but also his 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 very strange, like, political satires and, like, very underseen, like, contemporary political satires that I think are very, very unique. They're, like, adapt- a lot of them are adaptations, um, like Cosmopolis. Uh, I just watched Map to the St- Maps of the Stars. These are movies that most people would think are really bad, I think, but they're super interesting. And so those are they're what, I, what I'm into right now. And then finally, I have a couple of films. Oh, one more actually that I'm very interested in studying, um, is *Southland Tales* by Richard Kelly. I was considering having Donnie Darko on here uh, because at, at one point it was my favorite film. I thought it was, I thought it was like kind of divine intervention that that movie even existed. Um, but *Southland Tales*, after I saw it, was kind of my platonic ideal of a movie. Like it, it has low art, high art. It's funny. It's sad. It's sincere. It's emotional. It's satire. It's politically charged. It's aggressive. It's over. It's it's long. It's way too ambitious. It's got bad CGI, and it has probably the best uh, on-screen performance I think in any film uh, of all time. Who? Who? It's Justin Timberlake. (laughs) He's doing it's 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 like this kind of proto proto oneer. So it's a oneer and like kind of broken up of him performing the song uh, by the Killers um let me see do I have it in front of me it's this it's 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 such a wild it's called all the things that I've done all these things that I've done and it's he's like you know pounding he pounds back a a can of beer and starts walking through this arcade um lip-syncing this killer song and it's one of the most powerful kind of performances like it's it's such a joy to watch um and the film it's it's conclusion is the film is like a biblical kind of uh narrative and it it's very ambitious, and uh, I it, I know it had like lots of different cuts. It had lots of detractors. It ended up bombing at the box office because it's not really made for people. People aren't ready for that kind of a movie, I think. But it's, uh-huh. no, it's the, I mean, the
0: world is the one that's not ready.
1: No, it's I mean, mm. it's it's as Ernest Matisse would say, it's a call classic.
0: Yeah, fair. Yeah,
1: but it's uh, <laughs> it's really it's really important to me, and I think it's it's I mean, I've 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 hinted at sincerity. It's it's kind of this ultimate sincere movie, which also. Uh, my last sincere movie I have is Throwdown which I showed Juan um, I remember we watched it together you didn't like it as much as I wanted you to but
0: I liked it though I, I thought it was it's, good it's,
1: Throwdown is Johnny To um, yes. it's this Hong Kong Johnny To is like a Hong Kong crime filmmaker and his movies are often very bleak and very fatalist and he made this film about this homage to Kurosawa about um, this these three people who just need each other and it's beautiful and there's a couple of sequences that I think are very touching uh and has performance once again and uh and yeah it's incredible um what did you think of throwdown
0: i liked it a lot yeah i i enjoyed it i definitely think it has some of the best character introductions i've seen i was very Mm. impressed by the the way the characters were introduced i was like okay i'm instantly on board i'm instantly rooting for this person you instantly made them unique and quirky and fun and you know not like a basic protagonist so i love the character introductions but uh yeah, I don't love the movie as a whole, but I, I did find it enjoyable. It was fun.
1: I mean, there's a sequence where the three characters are stacked on top of each other trying to get a balloon of a tree together. Yes. And it's kind of the sum of the yes. movie. That's what the movie's about, and I think it's beautiful. You
0: see, Liam, you're, you're, a, silly you, a, silly you're a silly guy. I'm a silly guy. I'm a silly guy. My
1: so I have three more movies. Two two of them go together. Uh-huh. It's uh Mysterious or sorry, yeah, Mysterious Skin, The Vast of Night, and Close Encounters. Um these are three alien films and they uh inspired and influenced uh, Will and I our first our first film uh, that we made. Uh, they are very very important to us. We I, I watched The Vast of Night. Um, kind of a similar kind of feeling I had when I watched Brick. But I watched that film and I thought I want to copy it. Um, <laughs> this and, guy, this guy, some menace. <laughs> Night, to swimming society. A, Night Swimming is not a copy of it because I got better at copying. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was it, it was a really deeply mo- uh, important movie to me, and so it influenced our first film. That kind of Started things for us as filmmakers, and so it was really, really important. Um, yeah, have you guys seen any? Have you guys seen The Vast of Night? No, I have. not No, haven't. have you seen The Vast yeah, of yeah, Night? right. The, uh, yeah, you love it, right?
0: That was like when when we started when we were becoming friends. Like, yeah, you know, I, I recommended asked, it to you. Yeah. I asked you for recommendations. You told me The Vast of Nights, and I, I loved it. I think yeah. it's a great, really, really underrated film.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then *Mysterious Skin*, Greg Gregoraki, like it's it's this subversion of the alien abduction subgenre, and it's beautiful, really, really, really dark and upsetting. Um, but it's so powerful, and then Close Encounters has these. I, I think it, it's Spielberg's best film, and it uh, it's it, it's very important to me. Um, and then my last film that I'll talk about is uh, the last movie that I saw that has truly like, you know, ascended to the top of my of my list. Um, and I watched it over the break, over Christmas break. Will and I kind of went back in and and tried to hit all the missing missing pieces of our of our film knowledge, I guess. And so we watched Bo by Claire Denis and I, you know, it has everything that I want. The The final, it's the best ending of any movie I've ever seen. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's beautiful. The, the song, the, the song that we have here that we're going to play in a moment is, is my favorite, my second favorite needle drop of ever of all time. I think um, I didn't include my favorite one, which is fallen angels, but um, Dennis Levan is amazing in the film. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's in my sight and sound list that I made private in a letterbox. I think it's number one. I think it's, an incredible important movie it played recently at vif um for the uh sight and sound list um and and yeah so the song that we're talking about uh, before before we play the song you i know juan you don't like butcher
0: no i mean to be fair i i've only seen it once and when i saw it i was very young i was kind of just getting into film I, yeah and i i didn't like it ba- back then i found them i found it insufferable to be honest but clarity is
1: hard it's hard to get into it but i think Maybe I'll what rewatch it?
0: it and I'll love it. I don't yeah. know. I remember being like when the ending happened. I was like, I give up. The like, ending is just... the ending is everything
1: I could ever want from so movies. Good. All in one moment, it's incredible. And I watched it with with Fernando actually like a month ago. Yeah,
2: we went to Viv together, and it was so good. Like that ending, I love. And Juan, you're gonna laugh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I love the homoeroticism of these men being together, doing these actions, hugging each other violently. Yes. because they're straight the bodies <laughs> not really the bodies <laughs> um <laughs> it's so good
0: yeah you know that 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 film definitely tiptoed that you know I, it reminds me a lot of uh, when i was watching interviews from robert eggers after the lighthouse came out and i remember him yeah. talking a lot about like the fine line between Aggressivity and, and aggression and then passion and love and how it's like it, it, it's, a, it's a blurry line and they intermingle. And, you know, in the lighthouse, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson are like about to like, kill each other. But then out of nowhere, they start hugging and kissing and it, it gets like weird. And I, I did feel that line explored in Travail,
1: But it has this it's so it's erotic and sexual but it also has this kind of like colonial history to it. It has this politically charged like very critical look at uh, at basically the, the the about imperialism and colonialism. So it's I think it's important in that sense too. And uh it's dealing with obviously masculinity and and kind of and the role and the role that plays in uh in 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 a kind of colonial uh setting and so I think it's very very important for everyone to see. But yeah. That's my last film. And it's also one that I'll be writing about, I think, as well. So those are the last ones that I've selected.
0: Hell yeah. So those are the movies that shaped you, Liam. That's uh, why I'm here, yeah. <laughs> that is that is why. Uh, great list, great picks. You know, fascinating know. to hear about the story of your life told through film, I guess. Um, yeah some some great movies over here definitely uh, write some of those down as recommendations maybe not the last jedi that one fucking sucks but uh no I'm, Give kidding, another I'm go. kidding I'm kidding I'm kidding hey, maybe you'll love it I don't know I just, I'm not a fan but uh uh yeah thank you for joining us that was really okay, freaking great no no you're gonna <laughs> no, stay here <laughs> for Fernando's part uh but now before we st- before we jump into Fernando's list we are gonna go listen to uh the second of the night a second and final song from one of the movies that Liam selected and we are gonna be listening to The Rhythm of the Night from Corona and this is of course the song that plays in the end scene of Bertravail just let it all out hell yeah and here it is this is the rhythm
8: of the night, the night. oh yeah the rhythm of the night this is the rhythm of-
7: February 24th marks one year since Russian full-scale war against Ukraine and nine years of Ukrainian resistance against Russian invasion and imperialism. One year full of unimaginable horror and extreme resiliency. We are the Ukrainian Student Union at the University of British Columbia would like you to remind that the war is not over. Ukrainians are still suffering. Please consider donating to the government organization United24, launched by the President of Ukraine, as the main venue for collecting donations to cover the most pressing needs. Visit u24.gov.ua for more details. Glory to Ukraine.
8: Students of UBC. Join us,
2: join the SSN, a collaboration between
8: the C4 Choral Composition Club and the Music Production Club. With us, you
2: can find someone with whom to collaborate,
8: someone with whom to make music. All skill levels welcome. SSN at gmail.com Reach out. Together, we can make music. Join us.
7: Sprouts is a 100% volunteer and student-run organization at UBC. Through the many initiatives, Sprouts aims to make healthy, affordable, and sustainably produced food accessible to everyone on campus. Sprouts is based out of Sprouts Cafe in the basement of the Life Building. With rising food insecurity on campus, they've dedicated practices to making high quality food and produce available to all through the cafe, community fridge, produce market, and free meal distribution. Learn more about these many initiatives and volunteer opportunities on Instagram at UBC Sprouts.
0: Welcome back to the real world. This is your host, Juan Paulo Sao, talking to you from CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver. I hope you'll enjoy that musical break. But it is time that we keep going with our episode of the movies that shaped us. For those of you who are tuning in, once again, we are doing another episode of the movies that shaped us. This week we are joined by the incredible Liam
2: Riley. Yellow.
0: And uh, our fa- everyone's favorite Mexican guy, Fernando Vargas. Say Thanks. hello,
2: Fernando. Thanks for that introduction. <laughs> ah, muy
0: bien, hermano. Latinos Latinos together strong. Fuck yeah. Fernando, of course, has been here before in a previous episode of The Real World. He destroyed Lily Grow in the game show Guess What Movie This Song Is From. <laughs> and we are once again joined by the very shy but ever so lovely Jasmine Sinau, who is also TA of Hong Kong Cinema. <laughs> Okay, as a TA of Hong Kong cinema, Jasmine, what, what do you have to say? What do you, what, what do you want to say? S- say something about you. Let people know who you are, Jasmine. Talk about Takashi Miike or something.
3: More people should watch Asian movies. Hong Kong is a great epicenter of, c- of cinema. Let's look beyond Wong Kar Wai. How, how about that? Wow. Hell yeah. Hell
0: yeah. Yes. it, Jasmine for precedent. That, that is such a radical stance. Never heard of before. We should watch more Asian cinema. Thank you. Throw down. The no,
2: no, no, no. <laughs> Even better, the heroic trio. <laughs> the heroic trio, yes.
0: I have
1: actually, that's my number one on Sight and Sound list. N- yes. No
0: idea what you guys are talking about, but uh, that is cool. Show you, if you want to know Jasmine Sanao, take Hong Kong cinema. She will grade your essays.
3: I'm done after this week. <gasps>
0: How dare you?
3: No more TAing. Wait,
0: you're not TAing again?
3: <coughs> no, I'll TA in September.
0: Oh, not in the summer?
3: But not for Hong Kong cinema.
0: Oh, shit. Shade. Shade to Hong Kong cinema. Jasmine doesn't like Hong Kong cinema anymore. <laughs> oh, Jasmine's life is a lie. Oh, my God. Unbelievable. Anyways, the movies that shaped us. <laughs> it is time. It is time for, for Mi hermano. Mi amigo. <laughs> Fernando Vargas, carajo.
4: Okay, Fernando.
0: (laughs) No, 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 dude. I'm happy. I'm happy. I finally have a fellow Latino here on the radio show. So, Fernando, dude, in my episode of the movies that shaped me, you know what I talked, dude? I I talked talked about about a movie of eggs. Okay, una película de huevos. One of my favorite Mexican films ever. But now I have you here on the radio show. Yeah, I love a movie of eggs. Now continue. (laughs) But now, Fernando, it is your turn to talk about the movies that shaped you. So, Fernando, yes. take it away. Okay.
2: I'll do something similar to Liam. It's pseudo-chronological. It's not necessarily films that shape me as a person. Because I don't think there are that many that shape me as a person. Okay. <laughs> You're
0: <a> walking <laughs> blank.
2: <laughs> huh? Yes. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Nothing let's, wrong Let's with move that. on. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, but these are films that created my taste in film. And I know Juan, you dislike my taste.
1: No, no. <laughs> it's a nice Venn
2: diagram. I like, I like some of it. I
0: like some of it, okay? Some of it,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jean Dillman. Let's not go there. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> not that one. I hate that one. <laughs> I'm going to start with early life, which is primarily animation. I know animation is not a genre. Good. Yes.
0: As fellow Mexican Guillermo del Toro said, animation is not a genre.
2: And as Brad Bird repeatedly
1: says. Is it animation. a medium? Is that what it is?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. like it's live action, you know? When yeah. you don't talk about the live action genre, you talk about the live action medium. It's very true. Very
2: true. <laughs> what? Uh, so the first film I watched was Finding Nemo. I don't remember, other than what my parents have told me. <laughs> Apparently, I cried in the theater when Bruce the Shark came up. <laughs> how old were you i don't know when did, when did it come out
1: oh let's let's see
2: yeah this finding is important nemo. uh 2003 i was two years old so you're, oh 2003. fernandito huh.
0: little fernandito was <laughs> crying in the theater
2: yeah but i didn't want to focus on finding nemo because <laughs> it didn't really impact my life other than being the first film i watched I'd like to focus on The Nightmare Before Christmas, Ooh. which is the first film I remember like actually loving. And it's like I know it's not from Tim Burton. He made the story and the characters. It's directed by Henry Selick, who also directed Coraline. I'll get into Coraline later. <laughs> but The Nightmare Before Christmas really inspired a lot of what I like about film. Like first of all, it's stop motion, and I love stop motion. Uh, second of all, it's kind of creepy, spooky, scary, Halloween, Christmas. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Sally is such a great character. You'll see throughout this list, I only focus on female characters. <laughs> good to know. Yes. Sally is so good. I watched it in Spanish, and I still remember the lines in Spanish. I watched it so much. Uh huh. I was obsessed with Nightmare Before Christmas.
0: What's your favorite Spanish line from Nightmare Before Christmas?
2: Uh, Okay, when Sally is (laughs) making soup for the doctor, Uh he's in a wheelchair. (laughs) And the doctor says, like, you have to try this to make sure it's not Uh poisoned. She has a spoon, but the spoon has holes in it. Uh And she tries it. And she says, ves, succulento. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, this is a Spanish this is a Spanish (laughs) moment Liam you you wouldn't get it you wouldn't get it and she
2: laughs it off she drops the spoon because it's got holes and the doctor can't see it Uh and I still quote that every time I try something I'm with my brother and it's like this succulent (laughs) (laughs) it's so good yeah I love that but like it made me fall in love with stop motion because if you think about it stop motion and animation in general it's like going back to the basics of cinema uh, 24 frames a second your brain perceives it as movement
4: mm-hmm.
1: puppetry
2: yes puppetry the artistry and dedication of stop motion it's something I'll forever be obsessed with and many of these films that I have show that like Fantastic Mr. Fox that was the first Wes Anderson film I watched I must have been like 14 when I watched it on Netflix just like saw the poster and decided to watch it and I immediately fell in love with Wes Anderson style, the symmetry, like the whip pants, the voice acting. It's so Brechtian. Yeah. Like Meryl Streep. Okay. Yes. Another woman. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, we love women. Nothing wrong with that. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> Juan is Brave statement. <laughs> um,
2: but yeah, Fantastic Mr. Fox. I'm not the biggest Isle of Dogs fan. I think it's Wes Anderson's weakest film. But it's still good. <laughs> Fantastic
1: Mr. Fox almost made my list. It yeah. was one of those that was also one of my favorites for a very long time. It's so good. Yeah. Like then, the eating, the, e- the e- when they I, that yeah. was like my favorite moment when I was a kid. I was like that's I would watch that over and over again. The eating in Fantastic it's Mr. So Fox. So good.
2: Um yeah. And also Coraline. Coraline also Henry Selick. That was one of the first films that actually scared me. Mm, I'm oh, sure yeah. a lot of yeah. people are traumatized by that web scene. Where I she's was trying to escape.
1: I had nightmares from that movie.
0: Dude, the parents yeah. with the with the buttons for ice, that like not even the web scene. Like before then, when like the people with the buttons ooh, ooh, my Just God. the whole
1: idea of an alternate universe like that was like to yeah. me it was just horrifying. Yeah. Nightmare fuel.
2: It's so good. Yeah. And the old ladies who live under Coraline Jones yeah i love them they're obsessed with dogs
0: the very voluptuous ladies or are we talking about the same ladies or is this different ladies no yeah those ladies oh okay yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh, yeah those had a uh, interesting impact in my childhood as well <laughs> huh? but uh, no not in that way i was like what the hell like, let's because, go to break you know <laughs> you're not used to watching those sort of Shapes in in Disney movies, okay? It's not a Disney movie. No, exactly, exactly. (laughs) So then, you know, as a child watching animated movies, and then I suddenly watched Coraline, I was like, what? This is unlike any character. Exposed to the other. (laughs) <laughs> uh, no, hey, I mean, hey, love, love your pick so far. You know, big fan of animation so far. Uh, uh, yes, 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 that's the <laughs> keyword. You know, on par. Uh, I, it is, it is very interesting to see that you know your taste is is very peculiar. Uh, that's not <laughs> a bad thing or a good thing, but your taste from knowing you is very peculiar. You know, you Fernando is someone who goes outside of you know the the the, the, the what's commonplace, what's what's common ground. I guess you know you like things that are outside of the margins, and I find it interesting that. You know, even as a child, you know, you like the most mainstream one was like Nemo, but you didn't really focus on Nemo. Like the three that you're focusing on are like not very conventional children movies. So that's really cool.
1: Are we going to see these films in the norm next year? I think Coraline, not any promises
2: yet. Oh, Halloween movie. Coraline for Halloween. That's exciting. Yes. Coraline is about... Like father and mother daughter relationships. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of interesting stuff to do with that. Yeah. So we'll see. Exciting. Yes. And uh, continuing with the theme of stop motion, I won't go into detail, but Wallace and Gromit and the Curse of the Were Rabbit, mm. so good. Yeah. <laughs> I
3: agreed. also
2: memorized some of the lines in Spanish. We don't need to go there. Oh. <laughs> but Chicken Run, also incredible. <laughs> okay (laughs) I know not conventional no Chicken Run is a great film for vegans good to know or to convert people into vegans why because it's scary those chickens are getting turned into pie and they have to run that's the whole premise of the you know what
0: my family business is Fernando yes I know we (laughs) grow chickens okay I never watch Chicken Run (laughs) you should (laughs) maybe I should let's watch it (laughs) I, never, I, I was never the biggest fan of like Artman and Wallace and Gromit and no, I don't know. It, that's it, fair. Like the comedy just it never stuck with me but hey. But it's a British.
2: It. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then The Wolf House. The Wolf House is a film Ooh, that yeah. is not actually like for kids. Yeah.
0: I, well I thought you were talking <laughs> about your childhood. I was like what? You, what no. What? <laughs> I'm just okay.
2: continuing with the line of stop motion. Yeah. Fair. for fair, fair. The Wolf House is a film that transforms an actual house into stop motion. It makes the act of painting the walls and, like, the physical space, that's the animation. And it was so impactful for me uh, because we usually associate animation with, like, children. Mm -hmm. And the Wolf House takes that premise, makes it kind of a dark fairy tale, but it's about, like, genocide so not for kids, but, it's <laughs> <laughs> but for Fernando, yeah, but for me. <laughs> no, I,
0: I dude, I, I'm glad you brought it up. I didn't know you were a Wolf House fan because I, I love the Wolf House.
2: Yes, it's so good. And The Bones, another short that those same filmmakers did. Uh, it's also very good.
0: Mm. Um, Haven't seen that one.
2: It's a movie. If I'll, anyone I have not out seen
1: there, I've not seen the Wolf House either. So I'll we're going to watch it to the watch list. Yes.
0: Yeah. yeah so for for those of you who don't know, the Wolf House is. It's it's kind of a, a twisted fairy tale that is set in Chile during the time yeah. during the dictatorship of Augusto Pinochet. Yes. So, uh, you know, hey, I'm I'm not uh I'm not a massive history buff. I remember some things from taking history in the IB, but don't quote me on anything I'm about to say, but uh Wait, Juan, did you do the IB? I did do the IB. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know I bring it up a lot. <laughs> but uh but uh You know, from what I remember during Augusto's Pinochet dictatorship, you know, a bunch of Nazi refugees and a bunch of ex Nazis ended up going to Chile. And I think Pinochet gave them like a a section of land for them to like do whatever they wanted in there. And they had like full supervision. And a very evil Nazi called Paul Schrader. Yeah, not the director. Paul Schrader. Yeah, no. my hero, Paul Schrader. <laughs> no, no, don't say that. Not the director of First Reformed. We loved him. We, we love, yeah, and Mishima. We love that director. But another Paul Schrader, a Nazi Paul Schrader, he went to Chile and he established. Uh, This colony called Colonia Dignidad. And the whole pretext was like kind of an Amish community and was like, oh, we're going to be in touch with nature. And, you know, we're going to learn how to make honey and how to milk cows. And we're going to, you know, go back to our roots. And and they didn't have any supervision from the Chilean government. They, They just were like free to do whatever they wanted inside Colonia Dignidad. And then some horrible, incredibly disturbing thing ended up happening in Chile, in this Colonia Dignidad. You know, a bunch of Chilean kids ended up getting you know uh, yeah. treated wrongly by yeah. mistreated the nazi and uh, people that were there so this whole film the wolf house it's called the wolf house because it's it it kind of tells the story of like three chilean children who escape colonia dignidad and are being chased by the nazi the ex nazi people that want to bring them back in uh and it the whole movie is basically just a twisted version of the three little pigs and the big bad wolf that is why it's called the wolf house that's heavy it's
2: so very dark, heavy, yeah, but it's very and good. it formed you. It formed me, yeah. I watched it like three years ago, but it did form me. <laughs> it's yeah.
0: horrific. That shit's horrific. Like I, <laughs> fuck
2: <laughs> me. I, let's continue. <laughs> yes, let's continue. <laughs> so sorry. Some no, quick shout-outs: Kristen Lepore, so good. Who? M- what? Kristen, what? <laughs> what do you say, <laughs> Kristen Lepore? Kristen <laughs> Lepore. Kristen Lepore. What is that? Yes, she's a filmmaker. She, oh, okay. She makes like um claymation. Mm. She had a very viral short called Hi, Stranger. It's about a naked man who looks at the camera and says, Hi, Stranger. <laughs> that is so <laughs> viral, is it like for animation. Hand, <laughs> yeah, it's stop-motion animation. Ah. I'm still on stop-motion. Okay. It's so good. Also, Nikki Lindroth van Ba.
0: Uh-huh. Yes. Uh, how she... do you eat that? <laughs> is that, is that, is that <laughs> Deutsch? <Gesundheit? laughs>
2: no, I think she's Swedish okay, or so. Dutch. I don't want to spread misinformation. Right. But she made a short film called uh, The Burden. It's about, like, animals in a um, supermarket oh. dancing oh, in oh, the I've, end of the world. Oh, I've seen her films. They're so good. They're amazing.
1: Yes. Yeah, Criterion had um, what
2: uh, Tord. Tord, yes. Tord, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And finally, Will Vinton, he directed the Speed Demon music video have you seen that video no okay so it's a michael jackson film um song yeah whoa speed demon it's claymation but super scary michael jackson is being chased around by two twins i know this is weird listeners at home if you want (laughs) to be warned yeah be warned the speed demon music video is incredible it, no i grew up watching michael jackson videos on youtube don't ask me why
0: yeah same <laughs> thriller traumatized me that was like <laughs> that was like my first is horrific john experience landis? john landis did that right i don't i have no idea know? okay you guys aren't real Sinabos,
2: Maybe. Like, but it's got vincent price in it what the
0: voice. hell is this fernando i know i'm looking at photos of the music video right now and i'm you very
2: disturbed see. that music video is incredible But okay, that leads me. Speaking of incredible, that leads me to the first song. It's called Let Her Dance by the Bobby Fuller Four, and it's from Fantastic Mr. Fox. And here it is.
7: Noreen Braun's album, Songs for Trees, dedicated to the forests and the spirits within the trees. As we fight climate change, trees are the lungs of the planet and we need to help them. Her jazz and blues are blended with rock and synthesized pop elements to create a textured and ambient soundtrack to nature. Songs for Trees is a narrative with each song guiding us through a journey through the forest, a trip literally and metaphorically about the interconnectedness of all things the vancouver sun names it one of five albums you need to hear find out more at noreenbraun.com Looking to get a reliable and affordable used bike, need a repair or service to your current ride? Come to the Bike Kitchen, UBC's full service community bike shop, located in room 36 of the UBC
6: Life building. Our hours are Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m.
7: If you buy a bike from us, bring it back when you're done using it and we'll give you half of your money back as long as you took care of it. If it needs repairs, we'll split the cost with you.
6: Yep, you heard us right. We'll give you crisp dollar bills for half the original price of any used bike that you buy from us,
7: minus the cost of repairs. For more information about our buyback policy and to stay up to date on any COVID-19 inspired changes, find us online at thebikekitchen.com.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Real World. This is your host, Tom Sa talking to you from CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver. I hope you all enjoyed that musical break. Of course, that was Let Her Dance, a song that is featured in Fantastic Mr. Fox, which is one of the picks that Fernando mentioned in his section of the movies that shaped him. Once again, I am here joined by Liam. Yellow. By Fernando. Hello, and by the incredible TA of Hong Kong cinema, <laughs> Jasmine Sinau. Jasmine has informed me that she has something very important to tell you all. So, Jasmine, please, you know, tell our listeners around the globe what what do you what do you, what parcel of knowledge do you want to give us?
3: Um. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was so smart, Jasmine. Wow, thank you. Okay, you should have told me way earlier that you were going to have me say something again.
0: No, 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 no. Then Jasmine. I would have time to think. You see, wisdom has to come naturally, okay? Okay, okay.
3: okay. Um, Agent Sim was great. <laughs> wow, thank you, Jasmine. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's edgy. <laughs> that, that, dude, that's. Nothing,
2: of, nothing but brave statements. Today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jasmine is
0: going out on a limb by herself. <laughs> God damn. Uh, Anyways, uh, I hope you enjoyed that musical break. Uh, Fernando is halfway, or I I don't know where he is in his list, but Fernando is in his
2: list. (laughs) Keep going, Fernando. Okay, so then my next section is all about musicals, films that feature a setting prominently, and films about film itself.
0: Wow. Very wide category. I know. Love
2: that. But once you hear the film, you're going to be like, oh, that makes sense. Okay. And that film is La La Land. Oh,
0: that makes sense. It makes
2: sense. The shock in Liam's voice. (laughs) Don't (laughs) worry, ignore him. Keep going. (laughs) When La La Land came out, I wasn't really a film fan for like the first half of my life. But when La La Land came out, I was starting to get into film. And seeing Chazelle, Damien Chazelle, the filmmaker, like homage old Hollywood, and make a film about like film itself that features Los Angeles, which is a place I love so prominently, it really made me fall in love with it. Also, Mia, <laughs> played, my, played by Emma Stone, very good. Bad performance. Okay, talk about that.
1: Um, I just saw Emma Stone's best performance of all time, actually, on screen. And it happens to be in a 2015 film, I think, uh, directed by Cameron Crowe called Aloha. Oh, my God. And if you think Emma Stone is good in La La Land, which she's not. You have to watch Aloha and you'll change your mind.
0: Okay,
2: let's be clear. These are not my favorite films.
0: <laughs> no, no, but La La Land is great, okay? And no, it I, uh, is great. Emma Stone's performance is great, okay?
2: It's great. But good. I changed my mind on La La Land. <laughs> Once I watched The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. Is that how you say it? I don't know. Oh, okay. I've never Cherbourg. known how to say that
0: word, but I've never heard it <laughs> pronounced that way. I don't
2: speak French. Oh,
0: well, well <laughs> but you're like into Europe and like you, you went to a German, German. German school and that sort I of stuff. I speak
2: German and that's...
0: <laughs> I've always called it like The Umbrellas of... Cherbourg. Cherbourg. Yeah, that thing. I, think I
2: don't <laughs> think French people say Cherbourg. No,
0: it's the um... <laughs> no, I,
1: Cher, Cherbourg. Cherbourg. Sherbert. But I'm also not French, so you know.
0: As, as Fernando said, it's the umbrellas of Cherbourg. Maybe.
2: Maybe Jacques Demy. It could be. <laughs> it could be.
0: <laughs> so tell us about these umbrellas.
2: No, I don't want to talk about <laughs> the umbrellas. Don't tell us about the umbrellas. I want to talk about the even better, the young girls of Rochefort. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jacques Demy, same filmmaker as the umbrellas. This film is so much fun. Um, My main problem when watching The Umbrellas, The Umbrellas is a 10 out of 10, let's be clear, but my main problem is that I'm not the biggest fan of the singing all the way through. Oh, wow. That's the point. I know it's a point, but it gets grating, and I'm so sorry to be saying this. That's horrible. I know, I know, I know. I'm so sorry to be saying this about Catherine Deneuve. Yeah. But it, it gets, there's a point when it's too much.
1: You're saying when they're at the gas station, it's snowing. No, and
2: that's you want, you want him to no, stop no. singing. Yeah, that's right. That's beautiful, okay. <laughs> and the music hits, and it's incredible. It's blue. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's, it's blue. It's blue. Have you seen the me? film one? I haven't seen it. Oh, <laughs> what do you mean by what do you mean by it's blue? Is it like the Matrix and it has like a blue tint yeah, or whatever? It's yeah, like the Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like okay, the Matrix. The Matrix has a green. <laughs> I took a blue pill. Okay,
2: that scene is like blue tinted, okay. but it's also in a metaphorical way. It's blue.
0: Oh, so sad. Yes. Are we? Oh, you know what? I, oui. I the umbrellas the umbrellas of Ch- 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 <laughs> Chernobyl, the umbrellas of Chernobyl, and <laughs> the young girls of Rockford. Yes, those those two have been in my list for a while because I do love musicals, and I I, I do agree, I can see where you're coming from when you say that you don't love musicals where they sing all the time. Yeah, it can get grating. Um, I think it depends. You know, in a, it's a case by case basis. Like. Um, Les miser I've never is known how Rabbe. to say that Les shit, Misere yes Rabbe. that one, hey I love that one and they sing all the way through, same, same with Hamilton they The Emeralds of
1: Cherbourg is like the dialogue is sung it's not yeah, actually, yeah.
0: yeah, I mean that's Les Mis as well, in is Le, it, Le, yeah in Les, in, 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 Le, in Les Mis they, they sing everything yeah. like every interaction is a song Hamilton you have some talk, talky bits but you know even the talky bits in Hamilton are rhythmic so you know, it depends But uh. yeah,
2: some quick shoutouts before we move on to the next section uh-huh. Mamma Mia, of a course classic. <laughs> I, I recently it. rewatched it, and it's so good. My mom loves Mamma Mia.
0: Oh, shout out to your mom. Yeah, Fernando's mom. Listening. If what's you're name? listening right now, Fernando, what's your name of your mom? Adriana. Adriana, Adriana, Adriana
2: what? <laughs> I'm not gonna say.
0: What? Your <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, okay. Adriana, si estás escuchando en este momento. Muchas gracias, te lo agradecemos mucho de parte de tu hermoso hijo y y y y y yo y, y Liam también que no entiende lo que está diciendo oh, y Jasmine también que que no entiende lo que estoy diciendo pero si estás escuchando muchas gracias.
2: Yeah, I mean she's obviously a very big Abba fan. There's a reason I'm called Fernando. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> uh, but Mamma Mia is so much fun. It's camp Christine Baransky. Yes. Yes. So good. Um, All that jazz, another foundational film for me. It's still one of my favorite films. I haven't seen it. Uh, Films about films. I think that's like as good as you get. Mm -hmm. Bob Fosse, imagining. Wait,
0: but all that jazz is not about film. It's about theater. Is it? Uh, Well, you know what? Yeah, keep sure, keep
2: going, keep (laughs) going, keep going. I would argue that it's about film.
0: (laughs) No, sure it is. Okay, sure. Yeah, keep going, keep going. (laughs) Let's
2: not derail this shit. (laughs) Okay, The Red Shoes. I love The Red Shoes. Going back to Michael Powell. Michael Powell, Powell, yeah. Yes, and Emmerich Pressburger. The Red Shoes. I don't think Technicolor has ever looked better than The Red Shoes. And finally, Goodbye, Dragon Inn. That's not a musical, I know, but it's a film about film. I wouldn't know,
1: but thank you, (laughs) sure. It's been at the top of my watch list for a couple years.
2: Uh, I watched it after watching Dragon Inn. Uh So just some context. Goodbye, Dragon Inn is about a theater that is closing down and the only film they show is Dragon Inn which is a wuxia film do you agree Jasmine is it a wuxia film Dragon Inn is a wuxia film yes it is
3: haven't seen it but (laughs) (laughs) I mean it's not hard to know (laughs) (laughs) love love Xiaoyi Mingliang
2: yes Yes. (laughs) agree so goodbye Dragon Inn Have you ever thought about spectatorship in a theoretical sense, Goodbye Dragon Inn is a film to watch. Mm. Watching people watch a film in a film—it really fucks with your mind. It's Plato's
1: cave. It's Plato's
2: like cave. Yeah, I love that. You are that person. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Good. Good shit. I, I like that.
2: Yeah, and that's the last one in the, like the musical settings and films about films. But that leads me to films where setting is prominent. I know there's some overlap. Uh But there's three very specific films I want to talk about. Blue Velvet, Paris, Texas, and Old Joy. Blue Velvet, of course. Um, David Lynch. Uh, That was the the first. No, it wasn't. The first David Lynch thing I saw was Twin Peaks. And I still love Twin Peaks, yeah. But Blue Velvet is like the natural continuation of the themes in Twin Peaks. The dark undertones of like suburban Americana. Um, Laura Dern and Isabella Rossellini so good (laughs) Dennis Hopper I I mean yeah (laughs) (laughs) I gravitate to Isabella Rossellini singing Blue Velvet we've
0: established Fernando loves women okay (laughs) don't mention any men Liam (laughs)
2: how dare you Dennis Hopper is great and Heineken yes so good and um, what's his name Kyle yeah Kyle Lachlan yeah yes so good
0: you're not a big Lynch guy, are you? I I, I love Blue Velvet. I love Blue Velvet. I, I've slowly forced myself to become a David Lynch fan, but that is the key word. I forced myself, like it. <laughs> I.
2: Inland
1: Empire.
0: Oh, that's oh my that's god. That's on my top ten. Yeah.
2: that's my sight and sound. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Always for me too. <laughs>
0: if you if you guys care uh, yeah inland empire is one of my most painful cinematic experiences <laughs> of my entire life okay so so right up there with john dillman right <laughs> up there with john dillman and the last jedi okay yes. we're, we're covering all the bases yeah. those are genuinely oh and stalker oh my freaking god but yeah <laughs> those are genuinely the most excruciating painful most <laughs> just obnoxious cinematic experiences I've turning, had in my life. films
2: that broke us? <laughs> <laughs> into
0: movies that hurt Well, I, I'm realizing that <laughs> the movies that shaped you are movies that broke me. <laughs> so okay, keep going. Okay. No, but David Lynch, yeah, I do like him. I love The Elephant Man. I love Blue Velvet. I haven't seen Twin Peaks. I have grown to love uh, and Drive and I adore Lost Highway. That is the okay. one where it finally clicked. I think Lost Highway was the one when I watched it recently and I was like, oh, I get it now. It Who just had its return. Up. So yeah. yeah. What what what? It lost
1: Highway just had its like t- it's retrospective. It got remastered and all that. It was in theaters yeah. all over the world and it's L- so loved good. it. It's
0: Patricia Arquette. Yeah.
1: Yes. Jazz. <laughs> David Lynch. Jazz. 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 Yeah. Okay,
0: moving on. <laughs> I love the vampire guy. He's creepy and fun. Yes.
2: It's so good. Anyways, Paris, Texas, The Vendors. Mm. This is the film that actually made me fall in love with. Like films that are about the place. Uh, Paris, Texas. Is named after Paris, a city in Texas. <gasps> they never go to Paris in the film. How dare you? Paris exists as like this. I don't know, Um sanitude to use Citizen <laughs> Kane terms. <laughs> I see. <laughs> wow. Howie, um, it's this promise of a better life, of a new beginning. It's a utopia of sorts because it's contradictory. Mm. It's mm. a. Vacant lots. Mm, I see. That the main character has in Paris, Texas. Um, But yeah, like I watched Paris, Texas during the pandemic. All these three three films actually during the lockdown. I was in Mexico. I didn't go out for like half a year at all. (laughs) So watching these films that are about other places really made me. I don't know. Have that desire to explore.
4: Oh shit.
2: And it coincided with a trip I did with my father to Houston, which is the main city in Paris, Texas. Serendipitous. Serendipitous indeed.
0: <laughs> you guys are just throwing words at this point. Keep going. We're academics. Uh, yeah, yeah. Very <laughs> much so. Did. Yeah, yeah. Keep going.
2: Um, Robbie Miller. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me? Robbie Mueller. let's say. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> I didn't mention any Jarmusch. Sorry, this is derailing. But yes. Robbie Mueller in any Jarmusch film like Dead Man is just...
2: Robbie Miller is a cinematographer in Paris, Texas, and Jim Jarmusch, and a lot of other like Vim Vendors films.
1: The American Friend. Have you seen that one? I haven't. That's his best uh, um, Vim Vendors
2: collaboration. I would disagree. I'm saying aesthetically. (laughs) I would still disagree. Watch the movie first. Okay, I'll watch it. But Paris, Texas, like just driving on American highways with no destination. Yeah. It's very liminal. Looking for Natasha Kinski. I'm, I'm trying to be like you guys. I'm, I'm
0: throwing
5: random words. Drop the word. He said
0: it.
2: <laughs> Looking for Natasha Kinsky wearing that beautiful pink sweater. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's. It was life changing when I watched *Paris, Texas*. I watched it yesterday again. Oh. Just to refresh my memory. Yeah. And it's so my favorite film of all time. I don't think aesthetics can get better than. Robbie Mueller, as you people say, he gets his col- <laughs> he gets the color right. You see, Fernando gets it right.
0: We we disagree with a lot of things, but we we agree with one thing: Paris, Texas is absolutely incredible. Yes, that scene towards the end. I'm not gonna spoil it in case you guys haven't seen it, but you know that conversation so with the, the one that
1: rips off high and low. <laughs>
0: I love high and low but I don't know what you're talking about. Anyways, yeah. the conversation <laughs> in be- with the, in the booth. It's it's just It's so good. We're in a booth. Uh, it just broke me. Yeah, it's so so freaking good.
2: And finally, All Joy. What What is that again? Kelly Reichardt.
0: It's All Joy. All like, Joy. All yeah. oh, okay.
2: Space Joy. Kelly Reichardt 2005. Uh that's a film I watched also during the pandemic and it's set in the Pacific Northwest. I'm pretty sure it's Oregon. I think it's Oregon, yeah. Yeah. But it made, like, I was watching Twin Peaks at the time. I was watching All Joy. So it made this idea of the Pacific Northwest for me. Um, like the promise of life after the pandemic, if you will. Wow. <laughs> You're so poetic. I know. <laughs> <laughs> He's also very humble. <laughs> <Okay>. True. <laughs> um, All Joy is about two friends who try to reconnect. And it's a... Uh, Road film. You like roads a lot. I do. Yeah,
0: it's a liminal space. It goes nowhere.
2: Truly. You find meaning in the way,
0: not in the destination.
2: In the space you inhabit. Hell yeah. Yeah. Just but the search. space like moves around you at fast speeds.
0: Oh shit,
2: leaving life half a mile at a time. Cachao. That's what cars is about. Have you seen Repo <laughs> Man? <laughs> I haven't. Okay. You might but yeah, so all Joy Twin Peaks um that all made an, an idea of the Pacific Northwest for me. Uh which was inter- interesting to encounter once I came to Vancouver.
0: Is, is this the Pacific <laughs> Pardon my <Yeah. laughs> ignorance. Okay, cool. This is cool. definitely this is a, yeah, definitely. Okay, yes. Yeah. Woo, love that.
1: Although Twin Peaks doesn't really understand the Pacific Northwest or <laughs> maybe it does, <laughs> but we don't speak French here in uh, Vancouver, yeah. so it's confused. But that's kind of why I like it.
2: Twin Peaks is so good. Yeah. Sure. Very quickly. Itumama también. Alfonso Cuaron. Good shit. Incredible. Mohon Drive. Hell yeah. Inland Empire. Hell yeah. Boo! <laughs> Twin Peaks again. I oh, haven't seen it. Nashville. Robert Altman. So good. Nashville is a film about America itself. The essence of America encapsulated by the state of Tennessee. You Nashville, know, it would Tennessee. pair
1: very well with and Tales.
2: Or, True Stories. David Byrne. So good. I haven't. They're both musicals. Mm. They're both quirky.
0: Wait, Nashville's a music. Well, I've seen Nashville. Yeah, Nashville's but- a music- okay. We watched guess, it together, you and I. Yeah, won. yeah. I, I picked it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and I I didn't. I wasn't a fan. And I loved it. <laughs> okay,
2: quickly. My Winnipeg. I watched it with Liam and Mel. Yeah. Well. It changed my life. <laughs> it's it's an and SA
0: this film. is and this is the guy mad. What SA is film. it? But what
2: what is it? Um, it's um, it's a- not a documentary.
1: Essay film. film.
0: No, no. But you don't just say essay film. Like explain. Okay. Two. <laughs> To the okay, listeners, yes. <laughs> what listeners, is it? Listeners,
2: <laughs> this is a film about Guy Madden making a portrait of Winnipeg, or his idea of Winnipeg, um, told through archival footage, real or otherwise, told through memories, reenacted or otherwise, okay. uh, and told through actual events and fake events. Okay. Um, it's creepy. creepy. At times, huh. It's poetic. And it's incredible so it
0: so it <laughs> operates in a weird gray area in between documentary and and conventional fictional narrative
2: uh it's got no narrative
0: oh, okay, good it's, to know
1: it's just a personal like journey it's it's about a return, it's a return yeah. to place really, and so it's got this kind of like ontology kind of uh thing going on,
2: but it's contradictory because the character in my Winnipeg is leaving Winnipeg huh on a train if
1: you were to describe Winnipeg, you might do it like this
2: that's the best encapsulation of the film.
0: I- incredible. <laughs>
1: and so I've, really what you can do is you can map your personal experience of place, of any place really, of your home, of where you are, of where you're going, onto My Winnipeg.
2: Damn. Yes. I'm so, listen. watching it right now. <laughs> write it on your watch list, My Winnipeg, Guy Madden, 2008.
1: We got, we got to see Guy Madden, give a little talk afterwards. Yeah. He's a cool guy. A
2: very friendly guy. Very knowledgeable good to know yes and finally the before trilogy films about place films about romance films about time so good gonna miss your flight julie delpy <laughs> uh, yes oh and that okay i'm not gonna spoil the ending
0: <laughs> no i mean you can what, the song yeah
2: nina i was
1: gonna have that song in my i it was wanted like it made it. by like shortlist yeah <laughs> so, do we have time
0: for one more song we we
2: do have time for a song um okay, so let's play.
0: Wait, so is is, is, that, is that it? Are you are you closing Oh no? Oh okay. I wanna talk more. How many more films do you, uh, do you have, kind of?
2: Two more films. <laughs> I just have
0: school. Okay, yeah, let's 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 uh let's go to a musical break. Which one do you want to play, Fernando?
2: In Dreams by Ro- Roy Orbison.
0: And this is of course a song from what movie? Blue Velvet. And here it is.
8: A candy colored clown, they call a the sandman. Tiptoes to my room every night Just to sprinkle stardust and to whisper Go to sleep, everything is all right I close my eyes Then I drift fight
6: tired of big brother bookstores trying to sell you some billionaire's favorite book or heather's top picks then you should check out vancouver books vancouver books is a new online family-run bookstore a portion of their profits go to first nations reconciliation and environmental projects in british columbia they provide their customers with the most interesting books in fine arts signed first editions First Nations photography, fine ancient books, occult, and so much more. They also provide carbon-free delivery to anywhere in the Vancouver area. So go to www.vancouverbooks.ca to check out Vancouver Books today. That's www.vancouverbooks.ca.
0: Welcome back to The Real World. This is your host, Don Paulo Sá, talking to you from CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver. I hope you'll enjoy that musical break, but now it's time to jump back into Fernando's The Movies That Made Him.
2: Yes, thank you, Juan. Um, The next portion is about documentaries, which is like a medium or a mode that I really love. And the first documentary that made me realize that documentaries aren't like school, like learning... Was Faces, Places, directed by Agnes Varda and JR. I watched that in theaters and I immediately fell in love with Varda. She was such a vibrant personality. And that film, if you think about it, it's also about film, about the ontology of the image, photography, places, as the title indicates.
1: But we can thank uh, that film for Casey Neistat. I, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs>
2: This is a debate Liam has. Anyas Varda inspired YouTube vloggers. <laughs> yeah. Cool. We can agree or disagree. <laughs> we can move on. <laughs> um so yeah, some quick documentary picks. Anything Varda really, the Gareth Tips, uh the Gleaners and I, Varda by Agnes. The Beaches of Agnes, murmurs. mores. Anything by Varda, it's so good. Paris is Burning. This is a film I r- recently rewatched with Juan last year. I think, despite the controversy, which I do understand, I think it's a very important film. It's essential viewing. It's about um, ballroom culture in the 80s, in New York. Uh, queer people, drag queens, drag kings, trans people, um, expressing themselves um, through costume, through dance, through music. And it's very important viewing. Okay. Quickly, horror. I have two horror films. The Woman in Black. This is the f- first horror film I watched and it traumatized me. But I'd like to focus on Halloween. John Carpenter. What do you Hell think yeah. of Halloween? I love
1: Halloween. Um, I, yeah, I'm obsessed with the Loomis, kind of haunting of Loomis that yeah. exists in, in just in movies in general. It's so good.
2: Yeah. And more importantly, Halloween three, the better Halloween. Yeah, it's so good, isn't it? It's so good. They decided they did they didn't want to feature Michael Myers, so they did a full 180. And it's a folk horror film about masks that kill children. And it's camp. We're gonna get into camp after this. (laughs) (laughs) But it's camp. It's cheap. It's got one of the catchiest tunes. They start singing Happy Happy Halloween. I need to watch this. We need to watch it together because yeah. you're not gonna get it otherwise. I'm gonna get it. <laughs> I'm gonna get it. <laughs> I hated Halloween three the first time I watched it. I was so bored. But the more I thought about it, the more obsessed I was with it. It haunted you. It truly did. Films haunt you. That's
1: that's the that's what we're doing. Virgo we haunts.
2: That's the lesson of Goodbye Dragon. Inn. Goodbye Dragon Inn is about ghosts the ghost is the image that's the point oh my god we need to watch goodbye dragon Inn. <laughs> it's cinema baby it's cinema hell yeah <laughs> I love this <laughs> quickly house Uh um, who's the filmmaker I couldn't off the top of my head
1: I normally could do that but I can't okay <clears throat> but it's amazing yes the piano I think it's Hobayashi it's uh he, yeah it is Hobayashi okay
2: yeah. House, so good. House is campy. House is weird. House is good. Also, The Hills Have Eyes, Wes Craven. Yeah. Famous for scream. But The Hills Have Eyes, that first shot of The Hills Have Eyes, when you think about the hills having eyes, <laughs> if you stare into the void and the void stares back, that's the hills have eyes.
0: <laughs> oh my God. You're really quoted Nietzsche. Sure. <laughs> beautiful, man. <laughs> finally. Randall is the overbench. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and finally, The Exorcist. The Exorcist is great. Mm-hmm. We agree. Good. Yes. Yay. 1973. Love that movie. movie. One of the best <laughs> horror movies of all
0: time. Okay, but it's not campy. Or, no, it's not. Or, okay, cool. Like this is just horror. <laughs> Would you call general. it sincere, dude? It, I call it good. Okay, I call it a great freaking film. Oh, the only, the only words, of words we know are horror. good and bad. Okay, no, but it's just like I, I, okay, some of these expressions that are like uh, sincere. It's like what the hell? Like that means nothing. Like it's it, okay. It could mean a lot. It could mean nothing. It, it means it's everything subjective. to me. Sure, sincere. <laughs> I I love that for you, man. I love it for me too.
2: <laughs> Speaking of sincerity. Yes. That leads me to my final category, the most recent films that shaped me, which is Camp. And that is encapsulated by Pedro Almodovar's 1988 Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, Mujeres al Borde de un Ataque de Nervios. Ah, very good. Very good. Um, I watched that as part of uh, an Almodovar retrospective. At VIFF. At VIF. At VIF. 35 millimeters. And like for from the from this first sequence, when you hear Lola ben- Beltran singing Soy Infeliz, I knew it was gonna be a masterpiece. Rossi de Palma, Carmen Maura, Antonio Banderas.
4: <laughs> Whoa man! God damn! it <laughs> back, you can't say that.
2: <laughs> 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 Sorry, Antonio Banderas. <laughs> If he's listening, sorry. <laughs>
0: yeah, so, uh, okay. He just turned it off. Uh, <laughs> Pedro, Pedro Almodó is a director that I also very much enjoy. Uh, I love, I I think my favorite of his, oh, my favorite of his now might be Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. I hadn't seen seen it. I saw it recently. Uh, you're going to kill me, but I actually saw it on the phone on my flight here. Oh. But, hey, I loved it. It's a 10 out of 10. It's, a, <laughs> hey, dude, a good movie. I, a good movie is good despite the size of the screen you watch it. Okay, of course. Would have I preferred to watch it in a theater? Yes, of course. But you, you know, should have
2: come to our screening. Film no, screening. but the
0: screening happened after I, I watched yeah. it. But um, <laughs> couldn't wait. Yeah, w- women, women of the verge, absolutely incredible film. Ten out of ten. Love it so much. Uh, I, I used my favorite of his used to be the skin I lived in, also with Antonio mm. Banderas. So freaking good. Uh, but yeah, Pedro Almodóvar is also one of those filmmakers that it took it took me a while to get into his films because yeah some of them i was like instantly enthralled and were like kind of serious but he also goes very campy very silly very you know in that regard so and and those didn't resonate as much with me but i know they do with you so hey what what can you tell us like what about
2: almodovar aesthetic really resonated with you um it's the colors it's the colors for me (laughs) (laughs) i am glad (laughs) Um, I don't think anyone has such a defined aesthetic. There are some people who do. Robbie Mueller. Uh-huh. <laughs> but Almodovar. Frederick Elms. Yes. But Almodovar, especially like early Almodovar. Ooh, why did I say it like that? Almodovar. <laughs> <laughs> um, he went overboard. Like, it's something about a queer persona, um, female characters. The stupidity of the final chase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The car chase. The car chase. The Mambo Taxi. Yeah. That's a place. The the earrings. I'm obsessed with those coffee earrings that Candela is wearing. It's got so many funny wine liners. Yeah. I'm just in love with. It was Women a big hit verge. at Film Sock, too. Yeah. I was very happy to see people come and watch Women on the Verge. Mm-hmm. So Um.
0: would it be fair to say that we can expect more and films in the following year when you're film liaison? Perhaps. (laughs)
2: Perhaps. <laughs>
0: Perhaps. <laughs> Damn. Pro- <laughs> chance. He's, he's making no promises, okay? Maybe Coraline, maybe Nightmare Before Christmas, no. maybe Fantastic Mr. Fox, and maybe Definitely the Behr last al- Jedi.
2: Definitely the last
0: chat. Uh, hey, have fun. <laughs> no, I mean, hey, I'm sure it would be popular, but I, I'm just, I wouldn't be yeah. part of it. Timon <laughs> will not partake. I will not come. <laughs>
2: uh, uh, so quickly, to round it up um, I love Cam because it's ironic. It's queer, it's exaggerated, it's colorful, it's dated, but it's self-aware. And that's important. Okay. And some films that I love in, in the realm of camp are Death Becomes Her, also with Isabella Rossellini, uh, Meryl Streep, Goldie Hawn. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a horror film about a potion that makes an actress not age. Huh. And it's so funny. It's stupid. It's kind of dark. Robert Zemeckis? Robert Zemeckis. <laughs> Jesus. Oh
0: it's sorry, got... I forgot I should have mentioned a man. Sorry, I'm, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no I'm
2: kidding. And Bruce Willis.
4: Oh shit!
2: <laughs> I love him. Um but it's so funny. Meryl Streep and Isabella Rossellini kill it. The CGI is very dated, but I think we that love adds that. to the camp aesthetic. <laughs> we love that. Quickly, beyond the Valley of the Dolls life-changing for me (laughs) life-changing
0: i haven't seen it but uh.
2: ross meyer ross meyer
0: you guys are just, you, you can't just say
2: names. Okay, Rosemeyer. <laughs> He's like
1: this B movie kind of like, uh, like a whatever, midnight movie kind of filmmaker. He like revolutionized the kind of, that, that sort of mode of
2: filmmaking. His nickname was the King of Nudies. Yeah. Of
0: Nudies? <laughs> yes. What the hell's a nudie? Well, I, I'm assuming <laughs> it implies some nudity, but you what. You are
2: correct in assuming.
0: <laughs> what makes it nudity? Like exploitation cinema, right? Yeah. Okay, with it's a like lot of nudity. Exploitation, yeah. yeah. Oh. So you saw the nudity beyond the Valley of the Dolls and you were like, oh my God.
2: No, beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Okay, some context. I don't know how much time we have left. I Uh, could talk about beyond the Valley of the Dolls.
0: Just say so. Tell us something about it. Okay.
2: There's a film called Valley of the Dolls based on the novel Valley of the Dolls. It's about actresses and musicians trying to make it in Hollywood um, and their struggles with pills, which are the quote unquote dolls. Okay. Um, It's a very bad film. It features okay. Sharon Tate. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And some other people whose names I can't remember right now. <laughs> uh, but it's very bad. It becomes Camp because of how serious it's trying to be. It's kind of a um, looking Camp right in the eye moment. <laughs> 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 if you know, you know. <laughs> okay. um, but then they decided to make a sequel. That is not a, actually a sequel. Uh-huh. It's taking the same premise, um, and going to a hundred. Okay. It's about like, entertainment business. It's a movie about movies. It's a movie about movies, in a sense.
1: Well, there's there's like you know the opening and closing sequence. So good. <laughs> Amazing. Recommended.
2: It's violent. It's full of sex. It's queer. Very queer performance it's got performance arguably sincere arguably Arguably insincere completely ironic (laughs) (laughs) it's got an ironic blind it's purely ironic yeah it's like the essence of irony yeah and camp so yeah I love Beyond the Valley of the Dolls hell yeah finally Mamma Mia also camp going back to Mamma Mia what's life but a reference to Mamma Mia uh
0: (laughs) I'm not gonna answer but many things (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> keep
2: going sure 9 to 5 featuring Dolly Parton yes I Lily love that Tumlin. song I thought you were talking about Cleo no that's Cleo from 5 to 7 oh. Cleo from 9 to 5 the Damn.
0: sequel coming to theaters near you not, I lost my cinephile card 9 <laughs> to
2: 5 is a Marxist masterpiece it's about women who are exploited in the job and they take revenge on their boss mm, Marx would love that Dolly Parton Jane Fonda Lily Tomlin it's incredible it's so good it's so funny (laughs) (laughs) and finally to wrap it all up Elvira Mistress of the Dark it's camp it's sexy it's scary and it's so funny (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen it give
1: me the give me the sell sell it on me or sell it for me okay
2: so Elvira is like a TV personality personality yeah who presented like B movies on screen. She made a persona out of being like a vampire queen ish. Yeah, uh, but also a bimbo. I'm not sure if that's a correct term. <laughs> that's okay. Um, there's like double entendres everywhere. The second film is called Elvira's Haunted Hills. Uh huh. Because, you know, she's got big boobs. (laughs) Uh, I
0: didn't want to say that, but that's where my mind was going. That's her Uh, whole persona. Okay, okay, okay.
2: And she's so stupid and she knows (laughs) it. No, she knows it. That's why I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Elvira is so funny. Uh, It's about her moving into an abandoned house because, like, I think... Her aunt is dying or died and she has to sell the house or something. I don't remember the details, I just remember the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, but the people think she's a witch, so they try to burn her. <laughs> damn. Appropriate. Very appropriate. So um, yeah, that encapsulates my taste. That's who camp. you are.
0: It's scary. And those I'm Ovira, sh- yeah. <laughs> And those are the movies that shaped you, Fernando. Those are the movies that That is shaped the me. story of your life told through film. The story of how your taste evolved and how you changed and grew. Uh, so, yeah, I, I guess I can speak for all of our listeners. There will be some fascinating movies being screened at The Norm in the following year. Uh, I'm very excited to see what Fernando, future film liaison, picks. And, you know, what Liam and Will pick for the rest of the month. Yeah,
1: uh, I'll just announce our next screening if anyone's listening. We're going to be screening um, The Graduate and uh, Shiva Baby uh, now on Thursday. So if you want to celebrate the end of your degree,
2: come watch those. Hell yeah. And Fernando. And yes, just to shout out the Latin American Film Festival we're holding. Um, we have two screenings remaining. The next one is tomorrow at 6 p.m. We're screening a film from Ecuador told, called Ratas, Ratones, Rateros. Uh, translated as rodents. So please come support. Uh, this is a great event. Uh, it's like the collaboration of five clubs. Mm-hmm. We're very excited to hold it. So please come.
1: This Tuesday, next Tuesday, we're also doing a uh, our beer garden of Top Gun Maverick later this month. So
0: keep an eye out for that. And those are our events. Yeah. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And thank you, Will. Uh, well, they, <laughs> okay. They, I'm, no, <laughs> I'm, <no>. I'm leaving. <laughs> thank you, Liam, so much for joining us yeah. today. Yeah, I feel welcome. Thank you. No, in my no, mind. No, happens every time. Okay, cool. I'm telling you. I, I can't wasn't, go anywhere. I wasn't I can't go anywhere calling you. Having. I was calling him Will, okay? I was going to yeah, say right. Will no, and Leo. No, be-
1: yeah, I believe you. Okay. Yeah. No, I feel safe here.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Thank Liam, for coming. Great pick. You're welcome, Fascinating. List. Hey, you can call me something else. You can call me Jasmine. No, I don't no, mind. I, but I care about you. I call okay, your name. Okay. 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 <laughs> okay. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Great picks, great movies, great conversations. You know, I think it is. This is by far the most academic episode of the movies that shaped us we've had so we didn't far. Even get into it. I could have gone deeper. No, I I know. But we, hey, we we, really we touched <laughs> we touched on camp. We touched on sincerity. We touched on po- poet poetic films. We touched on liminal spaces. Fernando quoted Nietzsche. We talked about <laughs> like we talked about Paul Schrader. We Didn't even being get to Crimes of the Future. Evil. Not we didn't talk about Crimes of the Future. We t- we talked about so an irony or, or sincerity so I hope you guys enjoyed I learned a lot we all learned a lot we learned that life is nothing but one huge <laughs> reference to Mamma Mia according to Fernando and you know once again the most overused quote in the history of Nietzsche if you stare at the void long <laughs> enough the void eventually <laughs> stares back at you uh, make sure you guys keep quoting that <laughs> forever on without uh, looking to the void keep looking into the void uh, you know I hope you enjoy the Lewin Davis the Boutre all the different music <laughs> We played. And of course, I hope you'll enjoy the nuggets of knowledge from the incredible Jasmine <laughs> now, On that note, Jasmine, do you wanna do you wanna kick us off with like with like one final like bit of knowledge that is gonna like really blows us away? Like like it, something our world. like insane that we're gonna be like, oh my god, life is a reference to Mamma Mia.
3: If anybody is in my Hong Kong tea class, come to me next class tomorrow. Go to
0: her, <laughs> come to her and you will get
3: 10 points bonus for Yo. listening.
0: Yo! Okay,
3: You heard it here first, folks. You have to
0: folks. make it for two and a half hours of us.
2: Yes. First come, first serve.
3: Wow.
0: <laughs> Dude, that's insane. Okay, yeah. Well, if you guys are in Hong Kong cinema, <laughs> pr- go to Jasmine and tell her, uh, tell, go to her and tell her, I loved your parcels of knowledge. And she's gonna give you 10 extra points if you reference
2: mamma mia that's an extra 10 points
0: <laughs> <laughs> jasmine makes no promises <laughs> oh dude jasmine please let me know if there's some overlap in between our listeners and your class
3: i 100 percent doubt it but okay that'll uh, be fun that hurts uh
0: that's great but uh yeah any any final words liam uh no i'm just glad you got my name right <laughs> <laughs> <This> fucking guy. <laughs> We're we're friends, by the way. For you guys, listener listening, we're friends. Okay, Liam's not actually mad at me, or at least I hope he isn't. No, things are different now,
1: but it's things are always different, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, these yeah, are dynamic. Yeah, things always. No, change. I love you, Juan. Thank you for having. This me is what on. happens
0: in like liminal spaces and and sincerity. This is not and, a liminal like, like, space. space. And like when we talk about like performative and like sarcasm. You know how you can make like, it up to me?
1: Uh huh. You can watch um, Twin Crime of the Future with me again. Oh, I, I watched okay. them with you already. <laughs> I'll make fine. it up. Fine, you I'll, don't want to make it up to me. It's I'll fine. make it up by watching Twin Peaks. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs>
2: Fernando, <laughs> any last words? Uh, no, thank you for having me, Juan. Uh, this you was wanna, lovely. You, you want to say goodbye to your family in Spanish? If they're listening, yes. adios. <laughs> <gasps> Gracias por escuchar.
0: <laughs> adios, Adriana. Adriana, was it Adriana? Yeah, Adriana? Adriana and your dad is called Fernando Sr. No, Victor. Adriana and Victor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> i hope you guys enjoyed the- this was just, this, was, this became very chaotic <laughs> it's an all-timer uh yeah thank you guys for coming honestly it was a pleasure it's 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 generally been very fun bringing these different people on board and seeing what you know they say about the movies that shaped them i will say pairing you guys together was a good choice <laughs> there was there was some mad intellectual energy happening at that <laughs> side of the desk but uh Okay, this has been The Movies That Shaped Us. This has been The Real World. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And, you know, of course, I am Juan, your host. <laughs> Make sure to tune in next week at the same time from 4 to 6 p.m. when we're going to be talking about Lily and The Movies That Shaped Her. Yeah, we love Lily. We love Lily. Oh, by the way, Shout out to Lily. special <laughs> announcement, Lily just got elected as the next radio liaison of The Real World. So, you know... um. Next week, I think, is going to be my final episode of, as host of the Real World, and then, you know, it's 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 all going to be in Lily's hands, and she's going to become the next host. She's going to kill it. Yeah. She oh, she, she's going to kill it. So ki- excited she, for her. She's going to do such a great job, Lily. Mm-hmm. You're the best. I don't know if you're listening to this, but you're the best. I mean, you're probably filling the play sheet, so maybe you're listening to it. But, uh. One wouldn't do that. Yeah, yeah no, that's, that's why I get a junior. That's why I was like, I need a junior for that. Uh, no, but hey, Lily likes filling the play sheet. At least she's oh, told yeah, She's it's very said fun. If
1: someone has done that, it's very fun.
0: <laughs> no, it is not. That's why I'm surprised that she likes it. No. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you, Jasmine, for benching and listening to us for two hours and a half. And, uh, Thank you, Liam, for coming. Thank Thank you, you, Fernando, for coming. Thank you. That's gonna be it, and we're gonna leave you guys off with, uh, hey, fuck it, you know, I'm feeling frisky. We're gonna leave you guys off with a song from
2: uh, Southland Tales. uh, No, Uh, (laughs) we're going to the the women on the verge women on the verge of a nervous breakdown, breakdown.
0: and Uh, we are playing Soy Infeliz, and here it is.
8: Soy infeliz Porque sé que no me quieres ¿Para qué más insistir? Vive feliz mi bien Si el amor que tú me diste Para siempre de sentir infeliz Si porque tú no me quieres Piensas que yo he de morir Que me sirvan otro trago Cantinero yo los pago Pa' calmar este sufrir No pienses más en tu amor y tus traiciones Soy infeliz Si porque tú no me quieres piensas que yo he de morir Que me sirvan cuatro tragos, cantinero, yo los pago pa calmar este su sufri- Porque tú no me quieres? ¿Piensas que yo he de morir? Que me sirvan cuatro tragos, cantineros yo los pago pa' calmar este sufrir.